0: Welcome back to episode number 18 of the Carpangler Chronicles podcast. Today it is just myself and Pete. We don't have a special guest for you, but what we do have is 11 of your questions that we will be covering in this episode. They're quite big, juicy questions on quite a few different topics, to be honest with you. Um, So we'll be diving into some great chats today and, and obviously we'll just be sharing our uh, perspective on these different matters before we do that something we are really bad at is introducing tipple of the episode straight away usually we introduce it like 10 or 10 minutes or 30 minutes in pete what is your tipple today my man
1: uh it's not a very exciting one mate i've gone for a bottle of cause light um main reason being in the corner shop it was two bottles for four quid and i have lucked out mate because i've got a 710 mil bottle which is massive
0: it's a big boy yeah yeah i like a cause like they're um they're lower carb lower carb than other beers other ale um, Ah. lagers yeah yeah did not know that
1: and if i drink both of them mate and i've got room for more of um well my My wife, Vanessa, she's got some Pepsi in the fridge, mate, so I'll probably move on to a rum and Coke, uh, see how the podcast goes.
0: Yeah, very feminine, as always. Um, Mm -hmm. I've just finished off an Estrella, which I had uh, with my dinner, and then I've got a few real ales. I've got a couple from Purity Brewing Company, um, which is based in Warwickshire, which is not a million miles away from me, to be honest with you. Um, so I've got a purity mad goose, and I've got a pure gold, and a ubu, and I've also got a Timothy Taylor's landlord. I don't mind a Timothy Taylor's landlord every now and then. You, do you like that, Pete? Do it. Do them cheap can't in a s- lot of pubs, don't they?
1: Can't. I wouldn't know, mate. I don't go to the pub.
0: No. No.
1: No. no I, mate, do you know what? I've not been to a pub since right before lockdown.
0: Hmm i tell you where I like going when I visit my mum and dad in Cornwall and, and see my kids in that lot is uh, Jamaica Inn. You remember going mm. there?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do remember going there, mate. That was ridiculous. It's
0: a good little pub.
1: Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? It's it got is. a bit of history. Um, yeah. It's featured on some of those like most haunted programs and things, I think, isn't it? It's got a, a resident ghost there. Is it?
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, I thought you'd know. I thought you'd be up to date on that.
0: I know someone got murdered in there, and there's a plaque on the po- on the spot where he got murdered. God, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great, yeah.
1: Celebrate great. that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, what's um? Fill us in, fill the listeners in, and me. What's new in the world of your angling? We'll cover that, and then we'll we'll get on to all of the uh, different subjects that we're going to cover.
1: Yeah. So, um, for me, mate, not a lot, not a lot is new. Um, as I mentioned on a, a previous pod. I'm um I've been sort of focusing on a new water for me. Um I've done in total three nights uh to no no fish, but it's a it's a kind of water where you can do sort of twenty plus nights before you get your first bite. Um uh, it's far unheard of. Um so yeah, so I haven't got a lot to go on to be honest. I've as per usual just got my sort of like twelve hours overnight once a week. Uh I've been getting down there a little bit to bait up. Uh, but I haven't really got much to go on in way of sort of fish sightings and bits and pieces like that. So yeah, nothing exciting. Um what about yourself, mate? I know you've been sort of tinkering with a new with a new bait. Is that on the same sort of water you're fishing?
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Wow. So so I desi- I designed a um I designed a design bait that uh, that I was that I'm very confident in, and it's got some more. It's based on some things that that I used to do, and and it's got like a, a more of a modern twist on it. Anyway, I think I told you this already, Pete. I did a, I did my first roll, and you know what? Half hour into it, I was like, and this sounds ridiculous, but I was like, I can't do this again. Like I literally can't freaking bring myself to do this again for those listeners that don't know me and pete used to roll our own bait for years and years we, in the end we did it together like we'd have rolling days we'd roll up you know 20 30k or whatever it was we'd roll a lot of bait and uh i haven't rolled bait for years not like that i've been doing a lot with hook baits and and um pastes but uh, i just decided to start rolling en masse again um and yeah, mate, I got about a half hour in. I was just like, fuck, I've been a silly boy. I can't do it again. Like, realistically, the time it takes, that's time away from either my business or fishing time or lake walking time. Do you know what I mean? That time's got to come from somewhere, hasn't it? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? It is. And I know it sounds ridiculous because I've been planning this bait for the last couple of months probably or month or so. And uh, But yeah, I just had the epiphany. I was there, I was there like mixing it all, I was was like, do you know what, no matter how much I'd love to start making this bait and tweaking it, I can't be dealing with this shit, as well as that, I've said this time and time again, if you want confidence, you know, don't be designing new baits, okay, use an old proven recipe, I could do that, but I wanted to do something new on this water, and realistically, the amount of testing you have to do, which means blanking by the way. It's very rare you knock it out in the park straight away. Okay, you know what you're doing. You could get a good bait. But to make that really shit hot and perfect it, it takes a lot of work. And to be honest, I'm not fishing a kind of water that I could do that on. So all in all, long-winded answer to answer your question, mate. I've decided, no, sod it. I'm not not rolling bait anymore. Um, I want to get a different type of bait going. that The water sees a lot of Baitworks bait. Uh, boilies, which I've used before. Very good bait. Um, nothing but good things to say about them but I want something different I always like to be different on a water, I think it's a bit of a an edge or a, I think it can be a bit of an edge um, I know that phrase is overused but I think it can be an advantage so anyway I've decided to go with a, a different bait mate so yeah um, I'm doing that, I'm tweaking, a, I'm always tinkering with hook baits and different things like that which I which I'm pretty confident in but yeah, as far as bait goes, mate, that's that's where I'm up to. Um, and in terms of my fishing, yeah, I'm on on that the water that I mentioned to you before. I, I still have not got to that stage where I'm like fully zoned in or excited about it. I've got to be honest, I'm finding it. Tricky at the minute, I just don't think I have the right venue in front of me. Um, I don't have access to the right venue to really get me fired up. I haven't been fired up about a venue for a while. Uh, been a shame
1: a long time isn't it really since, even since we've been doing this podcast you've not found a venue that's you've sort of stuck at or it's really sort of like felt right for you would you agree
0: i totally agree mate i thought one of the venues was going to be the one and then i realized actually the the info i had was kind of bollocks um, and it turned out to not be what i thought it was so yeah mate, you're right. Yeah, I just I need I just need something that really lights my fire and unfortunately I haven't got that venue but who knows. I'm gonna stick at the venue I'm on for a while. Um next year, I don't know. Reading's not a million miles away from me. Um and there's a couple of waters there that are kind of open access that I wouldn't mind having a bash at. So who knows, mate? I might end up travelling further afield, or I mean, there's an abundance of lovely, amazing waters in the Cotswolds. It's just getting access to them, which is the issue. But you know, who knows what's going to happen?
1: Yeah, have you got your name down for anything,
0: sort of locally to you? Yeah, several. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, mate. Names, names everywhere at the minute. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Yeah. D- don't get me wrong I've got access at the moment to to, 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 to some waters with nice fishing it. it's just they're not really doing it for me I, I, I'm struggling with the busyness as well it is busy up here mm-hmm. and um, that that side of angling I don't like You know, I suppose I've been sporting in Cornwall um, and some of the other waters that I've fished so yeah the Cotswold Water Park It's um, there's a lot of anglers there you know it is a bit of a hot spot for angling for obvious reasons Um, And it means busy banks. Uh, To be honest, the same would be said in Reading. So, you know, probably that's not the way to go for me. Yeah. But anyway. Do you know what?
1: The last time I fished, I was actually at the lake completely to myself, which I've got to say is, actually, no, probably since lockdown, since we were allowed to go fishing again, it's probably only like the second time I've had a lake to myself. But it's certainly busy, isn't it? Everyone's fishing this year absolutely everybody
0: yeah it's been pretty rammed everywhere isn't it uh, more so than usual for sure yeah so yeah i've just flitted around different places rather than really getting stuck into any one place but this place i'm on now i'll i'll, I'll fish it until i've until i've had you know uh, some of the ones that i want a few of the a team i want um so i'll probably be there until i get them mate unless something opens up for me that i can't refuse and then i'll move on to that so buddy should we jump into these questions i think so yeah cool so i'll be honest i we had other topics to talk about on this podcast but i put um a post out on instagram on the stories asking if anyone wanted us to cover anything and we got 11 pretty decent questions to be fair Uh, on a range of different topics, so that's what we're going to do on this episode. So in no particular order, just in the order that it shows up on my screen, um, our first question says, or asks, should I say, how different do you think the current angling playing field would be if social media didn't exist? So basically, how would modern carp angling be if social media didn't exist? I think that's a bloody good question. What are your thoughts on that, mate?
1: Yeah, like you say, great question. Um, So initially when I first read it, I was like, do you know what, like wow. My initial thought was like, it was like back in the sort of like early 90s and you know when carp fishing had its sort of initial big sort of surge and you had different pockets of different anglers in different parts of the country. Um, and I think wherever you, would sort of like would travel there was different methods of fishing and different secrets and then you'd have sort of like one sort of group of anglers would be really sort of going down with like one method that would really work and I think it would be like that but then I was thinking well actually if it wasn't for social media you'd probably still have all the mags like cart talk and all the magazines would be thriving still wouldn't they so a lot of these little secrets and edges would all get published in the magazines anyway so it kind of put that theory to bed um I think the lakes
0: would be quieter, mate. Yeah, I mean, well, when we started, there there wasn't carp angling, wasn't I? Mean, was there wasn't Facebook, there wasn't Instagram, there was nothing around like that. You know, the the lakes that we found about out about was just by word of mouth, um, and then later on, just looking at maps, wasn't it? I mean, that's, yeah, that's how it was. There, there was no like you know, Google searching the name of a lake and then it's coming up and and there's loads of information and there's a bloody Instagram hashtag of it or there was none of that stuff, was there? Um, And I think that's, that's probably only boomed in the last, I don't know, eight years maybe? I don't know, 10 years maybe? Maybe longer, I don't know. But yeah, in my opinion, I think it... Well, obviously, it would be very different. I think in some ways, it would be better. It would be harder to find out about venues, of course. Um, Possibly harder barrier of entry if you didn't know people. But yeah, if you're in the know, there would probably be less people in the know. So you're more likely to get a chance to fish somewhere, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it could work for or against you, but... Yeah, I think in terms of knowing about venues and getting on venues, obviously it's gonna be it would be very, very different. Very different. And in terms of even how we fish, I mean different rigs and things like that. I mean take an example. You've heard of a Ronnie rig, right, Pete? Yes. Have you heard of that? Probably social media, right?
1: Yeah, probably.
0: (laughs) It's it's true, isn't it?
1: But that's what I was meaning I could just imagine different pockets of anglers all around the country like I can imagine sort of like the southeast of England like the Ronnie rig being the going thing but sort of down yeah. here in Cornwall we've still probably only just discovered the hair rig <laughs> do you know what I mean so everyone will be sort of like hair rigging all, all-, all- then
0: still side hooking potatoes <laughs> yeah. down in Cornwall
1: hard like, boiled potatoes
0: <laughs> bit of food dye on them is is the latest cutting edge for you guys isn't it mm. yeah yeah, it would be very different. I'd like it um, in many ways. I th- but, but I tell you what, I think it's always easy to look back with rose-tinted glasses. It's a bloody luxury. I tell you, for one, what I love. I don't know if you could call it social media, but web-based technology, would you call it? I don't know. Um, Maps was the first, and then you got Google Maps and iPhone Maps. Having a satellite picture of lakes, I mean, that's like my first go-to. Whenever I find out about a new water or go to target new water, I think that's an edge. And looking at different satellite pictures from, so like the one on the Apple app, I I say Apple because I use an Apple phone, is different from the Google one and it might be a different time of year and it might show a different like gravel bar or something like that and obviously you want to go with your marker float and map all that stuff out, but nonetheless, it just gives you that extra dimension. Um do you do that, mate? Do you look at aerials of lakes?
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. All the, all the time. I still do it, and I still get on Google Maps and um, search for lakes. And Do you know what? I actually saw, like, like this is still, like, the inner child in the carp angler in me. I actually saw a comment on a YouTube video, and this YouTube video was posted, I don't know, eight years ago, something like that. And it was just a random, like, really crappy YouTuber, mate. Uh, fishing somewhere in Cornwall, and then somebody commented about a quarry down south. Um, this is really, really far down south as well. I've never been there before, and they mentioned a forty pounder in there. And I was just like, surely not. And then I read through the comment thread, and um, I was thinking these are just like young kids, but someone's caught a forty pounder out of this quarry. And I've been on and sort of I found the quarry online, and I keep meaning to go down there and scope it out because um, there's meant to be quite a few fish in there. It's just one of those things, you know, and it sort of it still gets me, the older uh, Google maps. And it's funny, I heard you mention uh multi maps as well. Like that's a blast from the past, isn't it? Like these <laughs> these things just disappear.
0: Do you know what I mean? It's it, like, where did it go? It it got bought by another company. Mm. Yeah. Um uh, a big pit down south. Yeah, when when a, Pete says not a big pit, just not a quarry oh quarry sorry when pete says down south he means the he means the bottom of cornwall yeah i mean we're talking um, the lizard <laughs> yeah he is in the south he's in the he's in cornwall uh so <laughs> down south him's proper proper deep Cornwall. is that a place we've not we didn't know about when i was down your way yeah for sure wow mm. surprises me it's not um i won't say that actually um all right fair enough mate
1: yeah, no, something um, you you definitely wouldn't know about. It's literally uh, like a stone's throw off the sort of like the main main roads. And yeah, I don't know. It's I've, I've never been there. I've never checked it out, but I definitely will one day. Mm. There we go. Cornwall's full of these little secrets, isn't it? There are little places like that. Some little gems, and you can catch something that's not been caught for sort of like a long, long time, or doesn't see any pressure, and you just find out about something and it almost gets forgotten about doesn't it it's like time forgets down here
0: it does and i really miss that about cornwall i'll be honest with you i really do when i was there i just wanted to be up here (laughs) or somewhere else (laughs) where where there's you know more cart waters bigger waters um sorry bigger fish but now i'm up here i'm like oh I've just Cornwall that was the that, that was the yeah. place mate you suffer you know you suffer from the old rose-tinted glasses don't you I do mate I'm really nostalgic aren't I and sentimental and yeah yeah I really am
1: <laughs> when we had the meet up at Upper Tamer you were just like I just you were just like I just forget how shit the Cornish Lakes are <laughs> You're just like this is grim he <laughs> wanted to go home
0: yeah, yeah, I do remember that actually. I just do. <laughs> yeah, it's so so true. But that's that lake. I mean, that lake is. I've never, I've never really liked it there. Um, take me back to to the old pads. I'd love that, mate. I'd love to fish that place again. I know it's very different now, but um, that pad lake. I'd love to fish there, dude. Yeah, if it was how it once was. Definitely, I was looking at pictures earlier. I sent you a few brace, a few of those brace mm-hmm. pictures um that i caught and yeah i'd love to go back and catch those fish i'd love to i'm sure they're probably not alive now but um I th- yeah I, th-
1: I think a few of them are, s- are swimming around in a local reservoir now mate i'm not sure whether they're alive or not but yeah fantastic like how yeah. lucky were we like proper fish mate they were proper like proper fish we were fishing for something pretty special to be fair about that and we didn't do you know what? Mm. I i didn't get amongst the mirrors like that like you did on that place
0: Mate, see, I caught so many fish. I was thinking this, and that doesn't mean to sound douchey, but you got to remember, I was fishing it so much, mate. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was probably there most days. I think you
1: were doing, you were doing like seventy-two hour sessions, weren't you?
0: Before, well, I was. Mm, I don't know. I, I, well, I'd get. I guess, I'd do i didn't have weekends off but i would do like two days on the trot but which was three nights but then i'd do like a quick overnighter in in the week when i was really on it um yeah i was just and then i would like go there just just drive and just bait or or you know look at it and the thing is like you could look back and and be like oh wow and you've said this to me before like you were a bit jealous of me because i was like all over it and Mm -hmm. things like that but without getting too deep that was probably like a really low time in my life for other reasons you know I was going through a lot of hard shit and and I just wasn't I wasn't really truly a happy person deep down I just put everything into my fishing all of my energy into my fishing and sure that was great and I had some amazing memories and I loved it of course I did but really you know a lot of other things in my life weren't settled and and fishing and and that place and some other lakes i went, moved on to was was my refuge from reality you know so whilst i might have caught a load of fish and and you know seemed like i was like on not on top of the world but you know what i mean like you know killing it I, actually it was i was in a pretty bad place really do you know what i mean it's just kind of sad in a way when i look back
1: yeah yeah fair enough for me <laughs>
0: lower the tone there like bring bring the mood down a little bit <laughs> Little bit, like where do we go from yeah. here yeah get the violin <laughs> out that's what you do mate <laughs> yeah so anyway we've got massively gone off topic there was
1: the question
0: <laughs> uh, yeah carpin like life without social media <laughs> yeah it would be it, it would be great in many ways and in other ways it would be inconvenient I reckon that's how I'd sum it up it would be fantastic but inconvenient <laughs> That's the truth, isn't it? Mm.
1: It's, it's like you were saying. It's almost like if you could go back and have no social media, it would be fantastic for a period of time, wouldn't it? And then after a mm. while, you'd be a bit like, oh, like you'd get your cravings or you'd realize how actually how much you missed it and how much you relied on it for bits of info, etc. Yeah. But good question. Yeah. And that's something that sort of would never enter my brain to ask that. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, good question.
1: Yeah. Right, which one are we going to next, dude?
0: Next. Do you want me to read them all out?
1: Yeah, I can do the next one if you want. I'm on it. Go on, you do the next one. So this is from Jim, um, and it's Winter Baits and their application. You can go first.
0: Good question. Um, Okay, so let's talk about boilies first. I mean, a lot of people um, stay on the same bait all year. There's definitely merit in doing that um i'm not one of those people i i i don't i just don't think that's optimal um i mean i think if you have a bait that will work in winter and summer obviously i understand that you're getting those fish on it and it's good for them and they recognize it exactly yeah i get that stuff but it's not really optimized for any one season is it it's kind of it's a bit of a compromise for all seasons. Yeah, sure, I understand, you know, you can lower the protein, lower the, the lipids a little bit um, But it's still kind of compromised, at least it is in my eyes So I I definitely switch boilies when it comes to boilies um, I mean, look, I'm into bait, I switch boilies probably more than I should do um, So yeah, I'll definitely move on to um, a bait in the winter months That I feel will work much better Yeah um, not just from the standpoint of protein and fats, but there's different attractants um, and um, palatants and different different aspects of the bait that will work. Some will work better in winter or, or spring or summer. Um, some of that is to do with the temperature. Some of that is to do with what the carp need. So many different variables to talk about. But me personally, when it comes to boilies, I will switch baits. Um, and i pretty much just exclusively use boilies or, or hook baits pop-ups uh, and paste um in the colder months um usually in spring as well it's only kind of summertime and and a bit of autumn that i'll use um certain certain particles nuts etc um so yeah winter time was it for winter was it specific to winter it was um, yeah yeah, yeah, wintertime. I, I switch my boilie up and I pretty much just use boilies and pastes. I think pastes are, I've said this time and time again, I think they're a really overlooked area. Um, and you can do some very special things um, by knocking up some pastes. How about you, Pete?
1: Yeah, I, <clears throat> I mean, I've said this many times before on a podcast quite often. Um, in the wintertime, I just revert back to sort of like single hook baits, it's the old cliche. Um, I quite often go to sort of like a sort of like a classic sort of like intense sort of flavoured winter pop-up my homemade pop-ups which I do okay on yeah and that's it really but I think I'm probably missing a trick I think I'm a little bit too conditioned in my own fishing Um, and it's just I revert to type I guess each winter Um, I should probably try something else and try something different Um, but but what that is, I really don't know, mate. I know I'll revert to type and be quite content and happy in my fishing. Um I, don't, I never use paste, mate. Rarely. I know you talk about paste quite a lot. It's something I never use in my fishing. Um, I don't know why, but I think in winter time, surely that's got to be got to be a little edge. Um, do you just sort of use like your boilie boilie mixtures, or are you often making sort of like specific paste for different conditions, or?
0: No, yeah, I make different. No, I don't use um, a boilie base mix. I mean, I don't roll bait at the minute anyway, so I wouldn't be able to do that. But no, I it, you don't. How you'd construct a boilie? Um, some of it is obviously to do with gelling and rolling, etc. Um, where you don't have that issue with paste baits, so you can do different things. Uh, you can have a lot more solubles in there if you want it to break down quickly, which generally with paste you would want to. Um, obviously, you don't use egg. So, yeah, no, I, I do them very different. Um, and I started with pastes. I think I only started well, – Wow, I started with pastes. I think the first time was those old Richworth little tubs might have been before your time, Pete, of paste. And um, I remember them you remember and you add water, and I think that was the first paste bait I used. And then I think I did a little bit when we we're on the Pads Lake. Um, and then I really got into it when we joined that syndicate. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, but I was, um, at the time, I was, you know, balls deep in Tim Richardson's writings and things like that. And obviously he wrote a lot about that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, ever since then, I've been a bit of a big, i've been a big fan of pastes um i just really see their advantages i mean don't get me wrong like the lake i'm fishing now i wouldn't dream of putting out some paste on the hook or on a little spiral as the sole hook bait i mean the cray fish would just have that off in seconds you know don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not saying they're the all and end all but i think uh, yeah around a hook bait or yeah in the area what have you i think yeah i think it's a huge edge um yeah epic epic thing to do and no one's doing it no one is freaking doing it very few people
1: yeah i like it you're passionate about it mate so you've got plans for that this winter then
0: Mate, i'm using pastes all the time oh okay
1: yeah fair enough yeah mate you well, you, mate, you keep busy don't you with your bait and stuff you, you're doing a lot mate all the time
0: um constantly mate yeah i do i really do I do, but I, what I would say is I don't flit around a lot, right? So everything comes together. I mean, I've got I've got a couple of hook baits that I'm that I'm confident in, but there there's one theme of it, right? The the other ones they're just slight variations to see if it if it makes a big difference. But there's like one theme that I'm going for, um, and you can uh, and that's what I was going to build the attractor package on for. Well, it was what I built the attractor package on for my latest boilie. Um, but the hook baits, you know, it, it, it's the same kind of theme for the paste. It, it, do you know what I'm trying to say? It's the same mm-hmm. basic attractor and, and, and um, gustatory profile of it is is all the same. Um, so yeah, I do lots of different things, but it's all around that the, the current um, combination of, of attractors etc. That I'm that I'm settled on. Um, I think that's important. Otherwise, like one minute you want to do like a fruity fish meal, the next minute you're you're on like a spicy bird feed. You're just just like you you're confusing yourself and and everything. Um, I I now believe that I have the, the you know I have something that I can really confidently stick with and just tweak it and then put it into it dif- its different formats. Be that um, a paste or a hook bait or or a, a ground bait or or what have you. Yeah, cool.
1: Yeah, it's decent, mate. Hmm. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm,
0: I'm, we done on that? Think the, Anything to add to that? I don't think
1: so, no. No, like I say, I'm a, I'm a revert-type kind of guy. Um, but I don't apply myself like I used to with bait anymore. Um, and I think I probably let myself down. But I'll sort of like come into that again, because we've got a question about, I think, low stock lakes um so i'll quiz you about your, your paste and things of low stock takes um, in a bit and we'll see what you'll you come up with
0: um yeah awesome
1: so the next question we've got do you mind me going into it is from Trevor.
0: oh mate go for yeah, it yeah so
1: trevor um best and worst buys
0: that's a good question i have nothing per- um, prepared for this do you no no i should have read these before we started the podcast um huh? <laughs> <laughs> Best and worst buys. Um, oh, best buy recently. Uh, oh, I will tell you what, exactly what it is. I uh, after many years of owning the same Petzl head torch, I bought a new one. Uh, it's another Petzl, um, and it's got a red light on it, which I like, and it's brighter than my last one. Winner uh yeah rechargeable there we go no Just mate re- i needed us
1: enter the rechargeable times dude <laughs> come on
0: <laughs> i i struggled to get one that had decent spec high amount of lumens and wasn't rechargeable i, I went to lengths <laughs> <laughs> you
1: don't want it do you You do not want it no
0: no 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 it's actually a discontinued petzel um, i had to get a discontinued one to get it with with decent lumens and not you get the lower lumen ones, with lumen is the power outing, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't want a rechargeable one, mate. It's more to go wrong. It's more faff. You just put batteries in, you know? Okay. I'm an adult, Pete. Can I say? <laughs> you are an adult, Sam. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I've
1: got a worse um, recently, and that is the Witchwood MHR 60-inch Oval Broly.
0: Oh, you're <sighs> shitting Ooh, on them.
1: Shots fired, mate. Well, I actually really like the brolly like in itself, like the design and the little features, if you can call them that, that a brolly has nowadays. Um, and if it didn't leak me, yeah, I'd be all over it. But I've had two of them um, and they both leak in the exact same place um, to the point of the supplier that I bought them from said that they were going to do like tests to... Actually, give me a refund to make sure it doesn't leak. I had to take videos of the bloody brolly leaking. Um, I've said this before. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, yeah, so that's that'd be my worst buy recently. Um, best buy over time? Well, I can do a best buy, which I've bought again recently, and that's my landing net. So, I use sort of like the old scope rods, sort of retractable butt rods, um, and for them, I've not bought a scope net because they're outrageously expensive it's like 200 quid for a landed net which i'm not prepared to spend the money on so a jrc specialist 42 inch landed net so it's got a two-piece handle um, and net and i've had mine for probably six or seven years and they're discontinued and i randomly looked on ebay uh, last week and there was one up for sale brand new must have been old stock for and i picked it up for 25 quid brand new and it's shit up me absolutely shit up net like Break, putting them up and breaking it down it is the easiest net I have ever owned or ever put up and put down um, yeah I just think they're fantastic bits of kit perfect for my needs uh, so I've got my two landing nets again
0: now what What was the um, what net was that? I missed that it's
1: JRC Specialist
0: ooh okay nice yeah it's
1: discontinued now oh, uh, but yeah it's just a two piece carbon handle um, and the net itself like i said just goes up and down a dream like you can do it near enough sort of one-handed with the net pole like jammed between your legs um as i keep doing because do you know what babe? i've got a real bad habit of i'll like get all the rods out and everything i'll settle down into bed and i'll be like ready for sleep and i'm just like haven't set the net up
0: Right. Jeez. Mate. <laughs> a, That's awful. It's
1: not a good habit to be in, is it? C- oh, fuck, mate. No. It's cause I don't c- No, it's awful. It's cause I don't catch fish anymore. So don't, yeah, mate. I'm not used you to don't. <laughs> no, literally, I'm not used to uh putting it up. But like I say, you so- can put it up with one hand, mate, so I can always drag it out of my rod bag and put the thing up one handed playing a fish. I've done it before.
0: Your other um like uh, two piece net is the Sonic one, right? Mm. That goes up really easy.
1: No, 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 the same one, J R C one mate.
0: Oh, you've got two GRC nets, Yeah. You? Yeah, that's
1: why I was, I was happy to find it. That's what I mean. So. Oh,
0: okay. I wasn't listening. To be honest with you, mate, it sounded like you're rubbing sandpaper on your fucking microphone on our call. <laughs> oh,
1: okay.
0: Yeah, it's really pissing me oh, off. Oh, it's just I rubbing it on my collar, on mate. Audio. Do you know what? It's
1: the perfect... No, it won't. It's the perfect length just to rub on my collar.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just stop wearing collars when we do these calls, then, maybe. <laughs> mate, I'm
1: Posh Pete. I'm always in the collar.
0: Yeah, I bet mean, it's popped up like a right douchebag, isn't You're it? No, like that Eric Cantona, mate. Eric Cantona, that's a blast from <laughs> <in> the past. <laughs> Ew, fucking hell, yeah. Is he still going? He, what do you mean?
1: He, he said he's alive. <laughs> is he alive? <laughs> he just does Stella Artois adverts, doesn't he? Does he?
0: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't watch TV. All right, fair enough, yeah. Uh, my worst buy... Oh, i tell you, I'll give you another goodbye, just because, you know, why not be positive? Um... For years I've had a Cyprenus Magmatex sleeping bag and it is a it's very warm it's very good it's great but it's freaking heavy. It's freaking heavy and I got rid of it. I bought another one my girlfriend used it I used it once and I was just like you know what I just I just want something a little bit more modern. Um so believe it or not I got the same as you mm-hmm. because you said the bag was good and it's cheap. It was seventy. It was eighty nine quid, I think, or eighty five quid. But then they did it for seventy five because Angle Direct was doing it for that. Basically, I got it for seventy five quid. That was a Sonic Five Season sleeping bag. Did my first night in it uh, last night? No, no, Tuesday night. It's Thursday now, isn't it? Yeah, Tuesday night. It's a good bit of kit, mate. I think it's pretty good, especially for the money,
1: mate. Well, that's yeah, praise it's really good yeah. do you find like i told you before like the zip doesn't go all the way down so if you're really hot i tend to like poke a foot out but you can't zip it all the way down to poke your foot out it does my head in
0: you said about getting out it's annoying as well mm,
1: no not so much i just like to poke my foot out
0: mate it doesn't bother <laughs> me i mean it, 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 i've got a summer bag i've got a lovely lightweight witchwood summer bag mm. um <laughs> i got one for worse buy. um i got a witchwood i don't know what it's called unhooking mat and it's it's not the best Ooh, to be honest with what, you. What you, yes because that's the same mat as mine but the much newer
1: version mine's you know ancient it's the now.
0: newer it's the newer version yeah i, I like the tracker armo. my old tracker Armo yeah. matt i used to really like that um but anyway now i got this witchwood thing uh just the 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 bits of Velcro that hold it together and I carry it like I'll go stalking or whatever, they're just, like, wearing away. They're going to break anytime soon, and that's not good. Um, all I carry in it is, like, a net um, and, like, uh, maybe a, you know, a, a bits bag, like, and a bit of bait. Maybe a beer or two. And that's it. It's not that heavy, is it? And it's already wearing out. Uh, I'll give you another one now that I'm on a roll. Um, I have a prologic coat that i bought last winter um i bought it around about this time last winter it's just fallen to well by the end of the winter it has fallen to pieces absolutely fall to pieces the zip broke off there's holes in the pocket the stitching has come undone um i think it's called a prologic light thermo um jacket it was only about 70 quid maybe 60 quid something like that but still mate not the best build quality Um, so yeah I would say those are my worst purchases recently Um, and actually sod it you know Mr. Positive's gone (laughs) whilst I'm on a roll I tell you what I hate if the if the question was what bit of tackle do you despise but you feel like you have to have I'll tell you exactly what my answer would be a freaking barrow I cannot tell you how much I fucking hate barrows Am am I alone on this? you with me, Pete, or not?
1: I mean, they're really fantastic bits of kit, mate, if you need to transport your gear long distances.
0: (laughs) Oh, they're fucking great. They're they're great. Once they're all loaded up, you want to walk around, they're fucking fantastic. I just despise loading that fucking thing in my car. Dude, this is... putting it up, dismantling the fucking thing. It's all clatters that's in the way. It's scratching my fucking seats and...
1: For the listener, Sam's got a... Ridiculous, like Mercedes sports coupe thing. It's like the least carpy car you can have, (laughs) and you cram all your gear in the back of this thing. I'm not surprised, mate. You need to get yourself a van, (laughs) like get yourself a car wagon.
0: For a start, you just you just crossed the line. Um, Second of all, mate, it's not that bad. It's not that outrageous at all. It's just a fucking. It's just a car, mate. It's just a. It's a hatchback. It's actually not that nice. Hmm. It's yeah, it's a long sto- There's a long yeah, it's annoying. There's a long story why I've got that car, which I won't go into right now. Um, but I get, I'm gonna be getting another one. I've actually got like my girlfriend's car I can use for fishing. I just never bother taking it um, because you get into her car after driving mine. I don't want to sound like a douchebag, but it's like getting in a fucking I don't know, like a like a freaking archaic piece of machinery. It's mm-hmm. just I just yeah, it's just awful. Anyway. God we edit this bit out. Yeah. Tough isn't it, yeah. being you.
1: Do you know what? My mate's got a van. He's a builder. And when I go away fishing with him, he just he picks me up at like stupid o'clock in the morning or whatever. And I just wheel my barrow out of the house into the back of his van and it's just perfect. Like I want to get a van, mate. Because you wheel wheel the barrow in, wheel the barrow out, stick it in the shed, in the garage, you know, you're done. That's your fishing done, oh, sorted. Yeah
0: yeah they're great yeah they're fucking great i tell you what though you know, i mean how many cars did i go through back back in the day when i was fishing shed loads mm-hmm. i used to like having a shitty old car you just park it by the lake stand on the roof <laughs> I remember doing that on my yeah. old my old bloody Peugeot 306 or whatever it was the thing with the big rims <laughs> big rims what was that that was
1: your Peugeot, wasn't it your 306
0: Mate, whilst we were at the Pads Lake, I had four Peugeots. (laughs) (laughs) Four fucking Peugeots, all 306s. No, three. I had had the red one that Chris drove into the side of. um, And then I had two black ones, one with power steering, one without power steering. So it's three 306s. The two black ones were real close to each other. I think the first one only lasted about, I don't know, six weeks or something, mate. He <laughs> had a Clio at one point as well. Oh, the Clio—that was later on. Was it? Yeah, that was later. He had
1: like a little yellow, like Renault Megane, like coupe or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was that was way that was earlier. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had that. Yeah, I had that for a while. I had so many cars, mate. Uh, do you remember my little Rav Four? The battered old four x oh four. Oh my type god! Thing. I
1: do. Yeah. Why that that lasted weeks as well, didn't it? You remember
0: yeah. when I took you off roading, did it?
1: Yeah, it was a two wheel drive Rav Four, when you took me off roading it. <laughs> it never was intended to go off road ever.
0: No, I don't even think it was a Rav Four, wasn't it? The one it was it was old. I wouldn't know, mate. I wouldn't know. Don't know. It was battered old thing. God, yeah. yeah I'd forgotten about that. <clears throat> Yeah, mate. Then I had, I had the Batone. Remember the Batone? No. And I blew the engine up in it. No. Just ran it dry of oil. Didn't. Just, it chewed through so much oil. I again. I only had that about three months. Um, Batone. It was really quick.
1: I don't remember that at all.
0: No, it had like the pillarless door and the windows oh you were proud i remember you being proud of that yeah yeah, yeah. in fact to- I, totally blew that up and just lost lost all the money on that i, I remember doing a
1: night down at porf and i think that was a car you drove over and just fell into my swim at like <laughs> like 12 like 1am in the morning and i was just like you're right mate and he was like yeah so like, what are you doing he's like i just thought i'd just come and drop in and then, literally, you're about to go and you're like, by the way, I've got no fuel. <laughs> you're like, you're going to have to drive me to the fuel station. And <laughs> you have to, like, buy a jerry can <laughs> to get yourself home.
0: Oh, shit, mate. This is in the reservoir in the middle of nowhere? No. Oh, like no, porf. the one. you pour near yeah. Near Newquay. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 I was like, oh,
1: thanks, mate, for ruining my session. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was out of control, wasn't I? You're an idiot. Yeah, yeah. It was for the listeners. It was many, many years ago. Um, Yeah, very irresponsible back then. But there we go. It's different, different times now. Different world now, mate. To be fair, isn't it?
1: Well, oh yeah. We get old, get responsibilities. Pandemics strike the world and ruin everything. It's just yeah oh, different gosh. so depressive, <laughs> <Yeah>. so depressive. <laughs> right i'll tell you right before uh, we end that question mate i'll go on to another a positive here a goodbye um, mate this is an ngt bit of tackle yeah
0: oh my god i know
1: it's basically okay. i don't know the name of it it's got like the quarter like rig safe it's not a rig safe it's like tackle safe or something it's a little bit box basically um and they have ripped quarter off Really well, and it's like the quarter ones like 25 30 quid or something just for a little tackle box. And NGT have done one, and I think it's like a tenner you can pick it up for, and it's really really good. So there we go 10 quid. I just need to put one of our um stickers that you've had made over the NGT label. So it looks like I've not got an NGT one.
0: Good job, Penning. Ain't still a quarter, eh?
1: Yeah, isn't it just? Whew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well oh nice mate I t- i'll tell you a good buy i've had actually um fox the new fox alarms what are they rx plus
1: oh you like them do you
0: rx 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 plus I mean, oh, new fox ones i do i think they're very good alarms actually mm-hmm. yeah yeah I-, I had the ntxrs when they came out actually i think i had the nxrs when they first came out and i like them i had the old rx's loved them and uh yeah i think these are good as well mate i think they're very very good um so there we go anyway i think we've done that question to death and given quite a few answers isn't we i think so mate we are getting towards 50 minutes
1: in we've got a lot to go through
0: Woo! next question pete cool.
1: um how you choose also oh, sorry so this is from s broadhurst um i'm gonna call him stewart uh How do you choose or narrow it down to a certain bait for a water and how you apply it to it? So, yeah, basically, how do you choose or narrow it down for a certain type of bait for a new water and how do you apply it? I've got quite a boring response to it, but sort of like for me, I'll just turn up, say I turn up on day one with a bait that I'm confident in. Obviously, just don't go with preconceived ideas, but turn up with what you're confident in and you know how it is mate but by the time you've ended that session you're gonna know so much more about the lake you're gonna know so much more about sort of like the fish habits and things and you formulate different plans for different waters and different days so it's a tough one to answer isn't it it's just a case of go with what you're confident with and when you're there you're gonna have sort of like an an earning or a yearning to try different things and you 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 build a picture within your mind of how you want to approach him. I think that's just like natural for everybody who's, who's into their fishing really, wouldn't you say?
0: I would. Yeah. But, but if we were to think like, okay, from this guy's perspective, he wants the question answered. So let's presume make an assumption, which might be incorrect. That was it Mr. Broadhurst? Mm -hmm. I can't remember his first name. Let's call him Mr. Broadhurst, Mr. B. Um, He's maybe he's looking to get on a new venue at some point or he has and he's just not sure what to do bait wise. Um I would say whatever bait you're confident in, like start with that for sure and then and then change accordingly. Or if you're not really confident of a bait yet, go go on to something proven. I mean, look at the time of year. The fish are gonna be on the feed right now. They'll be they are feeding up still. I don't think that happens, you know as much as sometimes people like to think but still they're going to be feeding so i would get a good quality boilie on the go now um let's say you're fishing through the same water through the winter probably want to start establishing well i've definitely started establishing my winter bait or at least i did have um establish that winter bait now you know get that going in now choose a good bait company um so let's say bait works i'll choose them just because i've used them before um go and get a load of bait works monster red right that's a great winter bait obviously it'll catch them all year round but it's a good winter bait start applying that now okay um or if it's something else get something else what you could also do is find out what bait has done well in that venue now I think all good baits will catch carp, but certain venues seem to do better on certain baits. We've all been to venues, or anyone that's been angling for a long time, I'm sure Mr. Mr. Broadhurst has as well, but um, we've all been to venues where it's like one bait has just like shined through. It's just done very well for whatever reason. You know, find out what that bait is on that venue and then just get on that. Um, that's the way I would go with it, really. Um, if I wasn't sure what to do, and I'm guessing he's not sure what to do, hence the question. Um, But yeah, like you, Pete, typically I'll just go in with a bait that I'm confident in. So let's take my recent water, for example. I've gone in with Boily, that I'm confident with. I've also gone in with Groats and Nuts, um, which I'm very confident in, because I've caught a lot of fish on Nuts, to be honest with you, and Groats. Uh, and I've just applied it in a way that I would do at a different venue but obviously keep in mind the amount of fish in there, the amount of you know, quote unquote nutrient species and you just bring all the information together and it's just kind of the starting point, point is common sense I feel, I don't mean that to sound disrespectful but I feel it is and then you tweak things from what you learn, you know how quick is the bait going, are you getting pickups from bream or tench da 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 you know, I think that's the way you go about it, right, Pete? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So the next question,
1: dude, sort of leads in from <clears throat> the previous one, um, which is seasonal bait changes. Um, do you change, and if so, recommended flavor combos?
0: Uh, it does bleed onto, uh Wait, well, bleeds into one of the previous questions. Yeah, I think we've already answered it. Um, or I've answered it and you've answered it. Yeah, you have actually. I change bait. Yeah, I do. I I have a winter boilie that I use or paste. Pete, you said that you have a winter pop up. You just fish in singles, mate. Or Would you fish over like ground bait or something or what?
1: Quite often, mate. I'll just fish single hook baits. Uh, uh. If you think you're on the fish, mate, which is key in winter, and you've you've got an idea of where you think they are, then just a higher track pop-up what's wrong with that um sometimes i'll you... fish like a back of pellet or something but quite often i'm fishing venues with a lot of bream and things
0: so not all the time um you, you just fish for a bite at a time right
1: a lot of the time mate yeah but that's that's how my fishing goes you know i don't dedicate a lot of time to it so
0: what about um keeping the bait going in so they keep feeding through the winter are you uh advocate of that or not
1: uh yes i would say so but it doesn't mean i necessarily do it like i sort of keep alluding to like it's something i used to do a lot in the past um nowadays i just genuinely don't have the time to introduce a lot of bait or keep it going in and i think the key especially in winter is little and often so if you can put in your sort of handful or two every day or every other day then fantastic but you don't really want to necessarily get down there once yeah. or twice a week and bait heavy do you know what I mean um, so it's not something by, I can do a great deal of
0: by the way you want to make sure that they're eating it as well that's crucial yeah. to say there's no point just putting it in, a, in, in an area that you just want to fish or you know you got to make sure that those fish are eating that I mean that's the case whenever you do any pre-baiting but even more so in winter because those fish move around a lot less in the depths of winter um she have got to make sure it's being eaten
1: mm-hmm.
0: or a bait that's going to be breaking down and the boilies
1: might sort of break down bacteria and then float to the surface you you just don't want sort of like a big dead rotting bait left there <clears throat> for a number of weeks
0: um, yeah but also you want to be making the most of the time you don't want to be putting it in somewhere it doesn't matter if it floats i mean obviously you if it's not going to be eaten, you want it to float off and not be an issue but if you're going to be putting the time, energy, effort, and money in, you want to make sure it's it's being eaten, don't you? Yeah. Otherwise, you're defeating the object of keeping them feeding because <laughs> they ain't going to keep feeding, they ain't eating it. It's not always easy to tell, um, but,
1: though, is it? You know, you you are you're sort of you're blessed with um, crystal clear pits and things. Uh, down here, it's not so much a
0: case. Crystal clear pits, but you can't see all the spots, mm. you know. <laughs> Yeah, there's all the masses of weed that are dying as as well. That this time of year they're drifting everywhere, and yeah, it's not easy. But yeah, what was the the part two of that question was um recommended flavor combos? Did you yeah. say? It's a prime question, isn't it? Mm. Hmm. In winter, is this? Mm.
1: Hmm. So one of the. Bates, I did well a long time ago. This was, which you'll remember, like a flavor combo I used was, I think at the time it was a CC more just their standard cream, it might be a clotted cream or it's a cream, a type thing, type flavor. Uh, I used that in conjunction with a lime essential oil, and a black pepper essential oil, um, which did really well for a little flavor combo. Um, other than that, I've discussed it now multiple times. My sort of my my go to winter pop up that like I make every year.
0: Um,
1: what about yourself, dude?
0: I got I got some uh, lime essential oil in the post. Did today, you? By the way, yeah, where'd you get it from? Yeah, I did. Um, I've been messing around with oils for life since yeah. Dean recommended them. Yeah, I've got. I think Dean Quite has a few um, of their royals put a
1: bit of business their way from this podcast. The amount of um, questions we've had about essential oils, and I know a, a few different listeners have um, been ordering through them now, through messages to mm. us. So he's, Dean has certainly done them a favour on the cart front.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so yeah, I just got some of that, I'll, uh, which I'll be testing out. Are you? Are you Got a load of um, bait from CC Moore years ago that had been. Ro- I got a special deal. I can't remember why I needed it now, but that that was the live system and it had lime oil ah. in it. Um, and I caught quite well on that. Um, yeah, I got. Um, got... <clears throat> what are you say, hey, mate? You keep over talking. Every me. time you're doing yeah. it now. Should we keep going on? Well, just just talking. pause. No, I just want you to pause a little bit when we're talking. I'm being serious because this is loads of editing for me. Um,
1: I got a free set of pop-ups once from CC Moore, is what I was going to say, and they were chocolate, malt, and lime sort of flavour. They were bright green. Um, Interestingly enough, never caught a fish on them, and I'm an advocate for sort of Mm -hmm. like the lime essential oil. So, yeah. Boring fact. Cheers.
0: (laughs) I mean, all, like, winter flavor combos for me. Um, like, that, the, the fruit aminos that I called the fruit aminos, that caught really well for me. Um, so I made these orange pop-ups, and it had amino acids in. Um, I think it had, probably had citric acid, um, possibly betaine, and a flavor combo in there, and I can't remember it exactly. I, I, I think I'm pretty close to it, but I can't be 100%. Sure. I found a recipe, but I don't know if that's the one. Anyway, long boring story. That was very good for me. Um clove and guava. Um clove essential oil with a guava flavor was good for me. That was a Bill Cotton recipe. Um aside from that, look, I'm a huge fan of cinnamon in the winter. I've said this several times. That is a good that's a good essential oil to use in the winter. Um cinnamon essential oil, I won't say too much more than that, but yeah, those are a few good ones to go on, um, Esther, so, so, the, there's bases of flavors, many people will know this, many people won't, um, but your, your, the flavor might be on a PG base, it might be on, um, uh, ethyl ester base might be on a glycerol base look at the base that it's on um, an ea ethyl alcohol base will leach out quite quickly and readily in the colder water um, that would be favorable to a like a glycerol based flavor or what you could do is pair them both together so you have a like a Two pronged attack on term in terms of leech off. So you've got the EA leeching off pretty quickly, and then you've got the uh, glycerol or whatever it may be that's leeching off a bit slower. Um, that would be something that I would look at. Um, yeah, I like the uh, the 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 various esters from Solar. I used quite a few Solar Solar flavors back in the day. Um, I love Destaberry, I love Esteburn Twelve. Um, and Winter Secret was a real favourite of mine as well. Um, Black and Blue as well. I like that flavour. Um, Sola did some good flavours. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many good flavour combos. Um, but in terms of winter, um, cinnamon is a great essential oil. Um, and I would look at some EA ethyl alcohol flavours to go alongside that. Do you want to add? And build on that, Pete. No, help him out a I, bit. I
1: don't think so, mate. I think you've sort of summed it up quite well uh, with the flavour bases—a um, combo of them, definitely. In, in the depths of winter, not a bad thing, is it?
0: Definitely. No, no, it's not. And and do you know what? All year round, great flavour is maple. Um, said that before, I think, mm-hmm. haven't I? Yeah, so, again, maple. I've
1: genuinely never used it, mate—a maple flavour. Um mm. and I know you, you talk about it a lot and then with the podcast with Dean as well, it's sort of um it just reaffirmed to me it's something I should definitely definitely use in conjunction with a few other bits and pieces.
0: Yeah. I got I'm smelling it right now. Uh, maple oh. flavour. Uh if you're it just there's something about that take A it takes me back and B it just smells. Mm mm-hmm. mm. Like it's gonna catch, I don't know. I'm a big fan of maple, really. I'm a big fan. I don't know if you remember me using that back in the day. Yeah, no,
1: I don't remember it back in the day, but I have know you've used it a lot recently. And when we did our sort of first social together, you your sort of like your homemade baits, you were using the maple flavor and the I, specials.
0: Um, I also added years ago, I added maple to uh, activate activate. Um, I can't remember how I went about that, but somehow I rolled activate or I rolled a bait with the activate activator. Um and I added extra maple, something like that. I can't my memory fails me. Um but I've been messing with maple for many years on and off. Yeah, I rate it.
1: Which one have you got at the moment?
0: Uh nowadays I use the John Baker maple. Mm-hmm. It it it's it's great, it's nice, thick. Dark, rich, brown kind of... Yeah, it's a proper, proper maple. It's a very good maple flavor. John Baker maple um, is very good. Very, very good. i got his maple cream as well, which uh, I believe is just a 50-50 blend between his maple and his dairy cream flavor. Might be wrong on that. I think it's a blend of two of his flavors. I can't quite remember right now. My memory's going to shot to pieces, mate. It's never been good, but it's getting worse. <laughs> Um, but yeah, maple, maple wise, um, yeah, John Baker, I like that, uh, and I'll I'll put that with a little bit of fenugreek oleo resin. as a little gift for you, little top tip. Any
1: any fenugreek in there itself in its powder form?
0: No, i have got the oleo resin. I'm happy with that? It's doing the job for you. Happy with the oleo? Hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Nice, nice. The flavour I used to use a lot and do really well on was the old chocolate malt. like the hot cheese chocolate malt.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll be vastly different now.
1: Yeah, well, to be honest, I I wasn't getting the original anyway, I don't think. Um, And then I had problems with ordering new batches and just different consistency between batches. But it certainly did very well for me, mate. And I know it's not a flavour combo, but I used to use it with molasses in my bait back then. Um, And it's something I always think of revisiting because, again, I don't know if it's rose-tinted glasses, but I used to catch a lot more fish back then. (laughs) A lot more.
0: Mm, But you used to fish, I mean, the water that you're fishing at the minute, okay, you've only done three nights actually, but it's a bloody hard water. Mm. As well as that, I think you used to maybe be a bit more dedicated back then. I think we fueled each other. Yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah, quite possibly. Mm. Um, so okay so the next question Sam this is perfect for us throwback carp do's and don'ts for pioneering in France give them your advice buddy
0: throwback carp
1: that's the name of the uh, (laughs) that's the name that's the that's the handle
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought he was like do you throw them back or not when you're in France I was like shit no mate um,
1: yeah, do's and
0: don'ts for pioneering in France. Uh, wow! Well, I tell you what, I am the wrong person to answer this. Um, I've been to France once, and that was when I was a little kid with my parents. Um, yeah, I've I've never fished in France to mm-hmm. be honest, so I wouldn't have a clue how to answer that. Um, I've really. I've uh, stuck to stuck to England for my carp angling. That's not to say I wouldn't go abroad and, and angle. Um, I just think there's probably a lot I'd do in England before doing that. But, uh, yeah, so I can't answer that question, unfortunately. Pete, um, I don't think you can. can no, you? I
1: went to Euro Disney once, mate. Um, oh. Yeah, that's, that's my French experience. So, yeah, no, yeah. we can't really help with that one. Um, mm. <clears throat> so the next one. Is from Nucci, um, and it's a carp senses, as in what they, is in what do they see,
0: and how strong is their sense of smell? Um, very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 not really sm- That's uh, anthropological. I'm pronouncing that right. It's not really. It it's yeah. It is smell, but it's chemoreception. It's smell. It's taste. It's 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 kind of. All of the senses mixed together, but um, it it's very sensitive, very sensitive. Now, when I say that, it doesn't mean you know if you chuck some freaking pellet in a pond, um, one end, and then on the other side of the pond, ten acres away, they're gonna smell it and like make a beeline for it. It's not that sensitive, of course, um, but compared to our senses. Uh yeah it, they're very very heightened I wouldn't like to I mean you wouldn't be able to put a number on it but I wouldn't like to guess how many times more powerful their senses are than ours but I would imagine it would be quite considerable um, so yeah they can smell the bait um, taste but they can do that very efficiently
1: mm-hmm. yeah and what about their eyesight mate so I often conflict oh. myself with this, do you know what I mean? So um from a stalking sort of point of view, um I've become a lot more wary of how I position myself and I think years gone by I didn't I I don't know if this is a, a thing that changes from water to water and carp are more clued in and wary from waters to waters. But nowadays, I find if I don't position myself um, sensibly on the bank, um, the cart know I'm there. They see me. Whether they see a break in the light in the tree line, and that's something they're familiar with. Um, so there's a there's a there's a change in that. Um, but I think they they know you're there, and I think a lot of the time it is through sight. Um, regarding what they see, bait wise, um, they can certainly see. Um, but how good their eyesight is, at, sort of, um, when selecting different baits, I haven't really got an
0: opinion on. Um, I don't know about you, buddy. Yeah, I think their eyesight is very good. Um, I think it's very, very good. Uh, we could get into the light spectrum that they see and things like that, but I think that combo is probably one to save uh, for when we've got Dean back on, Dean Towie. Mm-hmm um we did a bait episode with him he will be coming back on um he's got some great ideas about that and he knows more about that than I do so we'll probably wait for him to get it before we get into that side of things but yeah I think their eyesight is very good um they definitely see us when we're outside uh when we're outside of the water obviously uh they definitely see us they they you know you 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 you're not as sly as you perhaps think you are um they they can definitely see you they definitely see movement above the water surface but i think something that's really overlooked is vibrations and your foot landing on the floor um that vibrates that really does travel through the ground i've spoke about this quite a few times i think maybe in the earlier episodes um but that vibration really does travel to them and they will pick that up on the lateral line very efficiently um i gotta be honest pete we used to be so quiet and i still am when i went fishing with you the last time i was shocked at how noisy you've become
1: yeah well we had this chat and you kept moaning about my footprints and i was like walking behind you on the bank to no, be no this like, wasn't this just ridiculous
0: <laughs> no this this wasn't walking around the lake, this was in your swim, clattering bucket, like popping bucket lids off, <laughs> sitting down in your chair, chucking shit on the floor. You made so much noise, mate. I, it was, I really found it quite surprising. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I just think, I don't know, mate, it was a bit of a social, wasn't it?
0: Like, we... uh, You got very noisy, mate. <laughs> very noisy. Fair enough. Slack, mate. Uh... It's just a sign of you being slack. Yeah, thanks i right, tell mate. you
1: what when i fish on my own i'm so conscious of it um
0: mm. i don't know if i let my guard down i kept moaning at you that you're making a lot yeah, of it noise bugging and me because seem... whenever
1: we'd do anything i was like i can't believe he's having a go at me for
0: making noise <laughs> you you're over talking me once i'm talking Unbelievable. yeah it is isn't it um yeah it just yeah surprised me but anyway to answer the question Uh, yeah, I think, I I think their eyesight is very good. Um, definitely think about their line of sight out of the water, um, to you and what's behind you. You know, as Pete said, your shape moving across like a clear blue sky is going to be super obvious to them. Um, and I think in terms of bait and things like that, yeah, I, I mean, they, they can see a lot. Um, and this, I used to have a real paranoia about having the same colour hook link to the lake bed and try and blend everything into the lake bed. I worry far less about that these days. Um, because if you look at the lake bed, it depends what kind of lake you fish. I mean, if you fish weedy waters, there's always debris kicking around. You look at the amount of like little twigs and, and bits of dead weed and stuff, stones around. They're constantly seeing different bits of debris. So I'm I'm less worried about blending everything in now. Um I think like a big long obvious bit of lead core, yeah, okay, maybe I, I wouldn't go down that route. Um but I think by and large, you know, I don't worry too much if you know I've got a weed green lead on and I'm fishing over gravel, it don't really bother me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um so go
1: on so, so talking about, you've just mentioned sort of weedy lakes the next question sort of uh, goes into presentation as well Um, so it is fishing in weed and in particular line lay when fishing across weed into spots now you're probably the person to ask about this because you're fishing very weedy venues these days a lot of my work's just right in the edge um, at the moment so I've got nothing to talk about so go on I'll be interested to hear your uh, opinions on that and then I've got a question for you as well
0: yeah, sure, mate. Um, so what was the question?
1: Line lay in weed? Essentially, yeah. So fishing in weed and in particular line lay when fishing across weed into spots. So you might be fishing over a weed bed into a clear spot, for
0: example. Right. So, I mean, am I worried about it? Uh, it yeah. If Look, it factors in. Yeah. Um, and and here's where it's difficult. I like a sinking line, right? For for literally most of my angling, I like a nice heavy sinking line. I I use braid um, now, especially as I'm fishing weedy lakes. And the braid that I use, it's it really does sink phenomenally well, like really well. That can be a problem because it can bed into the weed over a period of time, um, which. And it'll affect your indication a little bit, but bearing in mind, you know, indication on braid is very, very heightened, so I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, it can get caught in the weed a little bit. I'm not too worried about that either. Um, It's it's something you've got to really get over, if that makes sense. Um, Now, if you're fishing a little hole that's the size of a dinner plate, I mean, a good luck casting to that accurately, but let's just say it's enclosed. You're dropping it in there. Your your leader is going to be coming up, isn't it? It's not going to be lay flat along the bottom. I wouldn't worry about that because they're used to touching weed. They're used to things touching them on the flanks. It's just going to seem like a strand of weed or, what, or or you know dead weed or something like that. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, as for bigger areas um, that are like the size of a car, for example. You can get your leader all flat against the the deck, the lake bed. Your line's going to come up. I mean, do they see that solid line and and spook off it? Yeah, maybe. If they feel it, does it feel a bit different from the weed? Yeah, probably. Um, But there's not much you can do about it. Uh, What I've done with my braid um, for the last sort of... I don't know, 20 foot of braid before it meets my leader. Um, I've just got a black marker pen and, and just intermittently like colored it in, if that makes sense. Um, just so it's broken, it's breaking up that solid line. I think the solid line is an issue. I think little patches, I think that's less detectable, particularly if it's laying over a weed, a weed bed. Um, you know, if you color up intermittently, color up your... your um your braid, lay over a weed bed, you, you can't really see it, you really can't. Um, if you're using something like fluoro, yeah that reflects the light, so that's much more noticeable. Um, it depends at what angle the carp is looking at it in relation to the light, as to whether they're going to see it or not. Um, I think if they feel that against their flank, particularly if they travel along it a little bit and it rubs it on the I think they could probably tell what that is and they're going to spook. Um, but ultimately if that's where the fish are or if that's where the fish are feeding, that's where you must fish. So it's not a case of, oh, the carp are all in this area and they're feeding on this area. But do you know what? My line lay isn't going to be perfect, so I won't bother fishing from it. Do you know what? You just gotta take it on the chin. Do what you can. Do little things like colouring in the line. Um but ultimately, you just got to understand that you're not presented perfectly. Your line's going to be sticking up out of the water. It's not like it would be if it was on a perfectly flat lake bed with no weed. Um, you know, it's a compromise. But by and large, I do what I can and then I just do not worry about it. it it's, it's not really something that, features in my mind to any great degree what i will say to that though is it i wouldn't have a tight line coming through a section where that was like their patrol route you know be think about where the fish are coming into the spot generally you'll see patterns um some of the patterns on some of the fish when i say patterns their their places of movement are remarkably regimented on some fish in my opinion that's that's what what i've found anyway um you know don't bang a tight line in that path obviously and expect them to just ignore it and go down and suck up your hook bait you know just be a bit sensible but by and large you just gotta get over it
1: so for for general fishing in weeds what's your approach because you're quite happy like these days to fish straight in the weed if you have to aren't you i'm right in saying that
0: well when you say straight in the weed you mean having a hook bait in the weed yeah, I mean, I'll happily find a clear. If I'm using bait, right, um, I'll happily find a clear spot, have one on the clear spot, and then, you know, like um, one just in the weed. Now, when I say one in the weed, you know, I'm not chucking a inline lead with a short hook length into a six foot weed bed. Obviously, that's not going to be the one. Um, but if it's you know lower line weed and you can put something. Um, like a like a 360 rig um or or maybe even a chod rig or a um a hinge stiff chuck something like that on a helicopter setup into lower lying weed so basically your hook bait is just like a bit of boily or or whatever suspended in the weed i'll happily fish like that yeah i like fishing like that mm-hmm. mate i think i mean i've caught quite a few of the deep out of the decent fish i've caught this year i've caught quite a few fish like that well several at least yeah it's funny isn't it um, it's
1: something that you said especially moving up to where you're fishing now is something you really have to get your head around
0: is yeah 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 definitely i mean the the, the 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 lakes up here are, are a lot weedier than than what i'm used to in cornwall we get le- weedy lakes but not quite the same um so yeah you, it's just one of those things you've got to get over and i you've got to adapt to it pretty quickly they will if if, it's presentation is the key here right you have to be presented um there's no good banging a rig into a uh, into a into a weed bed and your hooks all caught up on it look you're not going to catch of course you're not but if you use a helicopter, as long as you're confident that that hook link is, is ridden up and the lead, is penetra- the lead in the lower part of the um, leader is penetrated down to the, the surface of the lake bed and then that hook link is lay across the weed the best way it can be. You know, you, you, need, you can't really do this with a bottom bait. You could do, but the chances of it being presented are, are slimmer. So, you know, you, you want a, a pop-up for this, in my opinion. Um... Well, at the least slow sinking wafter yeah as long as you're presented over that weed a cart will will pick that off and I feel that they're almost easier to hook like that because if they're if they if you've got if you fed up a spot you see it I mean we've all seen this carp will feed on the spot then they'll go off and then they'll come back figure out where they're where they're either going off or ideally where they're coming back in it can work both ways both are good they both have their place but work out where that is put a single bait there that's maybe half a rod length or two even two rod lengths off of that spot you know that that carp is gonna a pick that up that hook bait up you know generally with with relative confidence i think and b it's generally moving a bit quicker whilst it grabs that it's easier to hook that way um so so yeah if i can present in the weed i will do that um but at the same time the amount of times I've, you know, I've been up a tree, I've been fishing in close and I've done that and and carp have completely ignored it. I mean, this is the problem. We can hypothesize and we can look at these patterns, but then you'll always get that session where something, it, you know, it just, it just doesn't work that way. That's just fishing though, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, so I, in the same respect, I like to have one on the spot. If I'm baiting up, I like to have a rig on that baited spot. I don't like having it in the middle. I always try and have it to the edge. It's just how I fished for probably most of my angling, most of my carp angling, anyway. Um, but yeah, so, sorry, I'm probably waffling now, mate. Probably gone off on tangent. But yeah, I'll present in weed. No worries, no worries at all.
1: Yeah, um, you traditionally—well, should I say traditionally? But your your main go-to sort of setup's a helicopter, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I. Well, yeah, I I fish helicopter, or I'll I'll fish if I'm on a hard spot. Um, I fish uh, an inline rig, heavy inline lead, um, with a fairly short hook length. Yeah, that's just general. I'd change it if the if the um, occasion needed something different. But yeah, generally, I find myself banging out, you know, at least one rod on on a on a heli. Um, with like a hinge stiff or something, and then at least one with a um, with, with an inline and a shorter rig on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty much sums it up, mate. Um, I just a lot of my fishing isn't necessarily really weedy waters, you know. Um, and yeah, I fish waters um, with weed in, but I'll often find like fish to a clear spot on the side of a weed bed or etc i very rarely fish in the weeds because it's not something i'm always um up against i think like the main experience i've got is maybe sort of like you know you have like, really got like thick dense like lily beds or fringe lilies maybe in the winter time when they die off i think they're a really good sort of um place to hold natural food and fish sort of like hold up in and i fished in amongst the um, yeah like like a dead sort of like um Bed of fringe lilies and I'll just happily fish a pop up on a helicopter with a nice light lead, that sort of set up in amongst there, but sort of like fishing in weed is, is, is a completely different um, kettle of fish where you are compared to a lot of the lakes in Cornwall
0: Yeah yeah, I, I, and I mean look, th- by the way I should have said this, I mean this is if I'm fishing in close right, and I can actually see that I'm in the weed and I'm, I'm all good uh, you know from climbing up a tree or, or what have you I mean, if I'm if I'm casting out a, a a fair distance, I want a decent drop. I want to be in silt, but then again, you don't you know I got to be clear. It's silt, um, which then tends to be not many of those silty spots uh, on the lakeside fish. But I I want to I, I want basically if I'm casting out, I want to know that I'm not in weed. So totally the opposite. Um, because, you know, your hook length could be caught up on something. I mean, I will say I always cast out, or it's rare for me to not cast out without a uh, PVA foam nugget on, so I'm getting, like, a slower drop on the hook link, so it's presented. Um, that helps. That really, really does help presenting in weed. But, yeah, if I'm casting out and I can't see what's going on there, I want a decent donk. Um, and, I, and I'll I, in that scenario, I'd, I'd have my, my rigs on the deck. Yeah. Um, I might have a pop up to the side of it, but generally on the on the area that I that I that I've baited when I'm chucking it out, I like those baits to be on the deck, same as the free offerings, and I like a nice solid donk, um, and that can work against you because obviously the solid areas can get done to death, but then that's the trade off against knowing that you're presented, and if you're not presented, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say, "Oh, it's been done to death," and they're wised up to that area. But if you're not presented, you know, you definitely ain't going get to a, get a pickup, are you? But if you are presented, that you can. And then that's and then just to roll on from that, I think that's where bait becomes more important. Um, because you can go on these done-to-death areas, but maybe you're giving them something totally different bait-wise. You know, maybe you're putting a bait out there that intermittently is floating up or something. Or it's got a completely different attractor profile. Mm-hmm um i think it's very easy to shine through on the bait front i really do a lot of people that'll probably won't they probably won't really get that but there's a lot of great baits out there there's a lot of great boilies out there but there's also a lot of things that get forgotten that people don't do and it presents the cart with something completely different and i think those fish that are clued up and they are a little bit switched on and a bit on edge from the angling pressure I think those kind of things, that really is what makes a difference. I truly believe that.
1: No, mate. it's um, Yeah, so uh, fair enough. Every, everyone's got their own little um, little niches and things that they do, don't they? Um, so I was just yeah. literally tr- scrolling back through our message history um, to the next question, and we're pretty much um, on the last one, I believe, mate. The last one of any substance, anyway. Um, really? We done eleven. I don't think we've done all eleven, but I cannot remember which one we haven't done because a lot of them are bait related and sort of like going oh. into winter. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'll go through them. So we did winter baits from Jim um, and their application. We've done best and worst buys, um, how to narrow it down to a certain bait in winter, um, seasonal bait changes, bait uh, bait quantity. Yeah, we did that. Bait quantity on low stock venues. Um, no, we yeah, didn't. we did from jungle warfare playing.
0: No, we didn't. We didn't go into it. You changed the question. Ooh, I'm sure we did. We didn't. You mentioned it, and then I said no. Why don't we do one that is a little bit different to all the other questions? Okay.
1: And the only <clears throat> so the only one then that we haven't done is just single hook baits.
0: Uh, single hook baits and the one from Jungle Warfare who I messaged back, which is about bait quantity on low stock venues. Um we didn't answer that one. Cool. What should we do first? Let's do single hook baits, shall yeah. we? Uh you've already spoken about those a little bit. Yeah. This is a bit of a go to tactic for you in winter, right? Do you do you use them at other times of the year or not?
1: Yeah, I do. Depends on the on the lake I'm fishing. Um If I'm fishing a day ticket venue, then then, yeah, quite often I'll fish single hook baits. Reason being is day tickets, I think, generally see a shitload of bait, um, and they get outrageous quantities of bait quite regularly um, from your average sort of angler who just turns up. He might have 48 hours or something, and he'll turn up and bait heavy and then sit over it. Um, and I think single-hook baits in that situation are a really good edge. The fish feeds, um, they're a little bit less wary, maybe, like you were saying about fishing to the edge of a baited spot earlier. Um, mm. I think that's a real edge. So it could be a bottom bait, it can be a pop-up, it can be whatever you like. But um, a single-hook bait, I think, certainly has its place in a day-ticket venue that's under high pressure. Um, and in the winter time, yeah, I, I often sort of... Um, will fish single hook baits and I will fish them in a situation where if I'm fishing for 24 hours and I'm fishing in an area where I know the fish frequent or I know they hold up I'd be happy to leave that bait there for a long time so say if I was fishing three rods like two of them I'm quite happy to leave there if I know I'm presented um, and I know it's areas where the fish often sort of visit i'll just leave them i will leave them there and a third rod i will quite happily use as a roving rod and just chuck to showing fish um mm. again in the winter i pretty much moved to primarily pop-ups i've said it many times on the podcast i'm probably doing myself a misjustice um but it's just what i do i revert to type
0: so with your single hook baits, mm-hmm. these are baits you're rolling yourself, obviously. Yeah. Now, would you would you tweak up a hook bait if it was say do you, say if you've got like um a, like a, a dairy cream type hook bait? Do you have a version that you would fish with bait, and then a version you'd fish on its own, or would you just use the same 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 roll, same mix?
1: Generally, I use the same mix. Now, I'll yeah. use the same mix, but in the winter, I find I prime my pop-ups, um, or add sort of drip-feed flavour onto them a lot more than I would do through the summer months. Um, again, whether you could call that and boosted or whatever, but it's going to be kicking out a little bit more attraction, maybe, in the colder water. Um, just trying to do myself like a little bit of a favour there, I guess. Um, but no, I'm I'll, I'll, the actual mix when I'm making them, I'll make them exactly the same.
0: Yeah, see, I'm I, I'm not a fan of, of adding the neat flavour to a hook bait. Like for me, I just think that is, I think that's kiss of death for some fish. I think it will get you some bites, but I think some fish would really spook off that, and that that really worries me. Um, you don't find that that's the case.
1: Not necessarily, because I don't just add neat flavour. I'll add sort of like like a liquid attractor, and I'll I'll just add exactly everything I add to the boiled bait. But over time, once they've sort of absorbed everything and dried and gone rock hard again, I'll drip feed a little bit more on there. Um, Mm. Yeah, I I can understand what you're saying, but at the same time, I think with winter fishing quite often – you're fishing for that sort of like a bite at a time where you're fishing for a bite. Um, In my head anyway, I wouldn't say I've never targeted a certain fish, I don't think, in the winter months. It's a bit weird. I've never thought about this, but sort of going through it now, it's never a sort of a time of year where I'll I'll target a certain fish or I'll be targeting the uh, sort of like the lake's bigger resident's when i go fishing in the winter i'm i'm happy for a bite if that makes sense
0: do do you but you fish the same waters right or you move on to a a water where there's you know more fishing um
1: uh, this this year i'll be fishing the same waters yeah previous years Mm -hmm. a lot of my winter fishing i've moved on to sort of like a day ticket higher stock
0: venues so you're gonna go all the way through on your new water? No, I'm not. Oh, you just said you. Yeah, were.
1: yeah no, I'm not on this water now. No, I won't. I'm not gonna fish all the way through.
0: I was gonna say that would be hard
1: for it me. It would be just going out camping.
0: <laughs> oh, do you want my do you want my little opinion? You on can
1: it? do, mate, yeah.
0: For what it's worth, I can do. Listeners, that means he doesn't want it <laughs> because he knows what I'm gonna say. And then he's going to feel like he has to do it. Um, I reckon you could do well there on winter. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, <laughs> you could do terrible there. Um, you could go all winter without catching. But I honestly think, I mean, look, it's a deep pit, right? Um, I think if you get it right in winter, I think, I, I think carp are dumbed down in winter. I think they're a bit more stupid. Um, I think they're easier to catch in winter. Mm-hmm. I think it just becomes harder to locate them. I think they can get locked up with food if you know, the wrong food's gone in, etc. Um But just imagine, Pete, if you found I mean they're probably gonna be shoaling up, if you found that small stock of fish in that water, you found out whereabouts they were in winter. You could you could you could you could do all right, mate. I know look, same could be said for any water. Um to finding them is the hard thing. Um but yeah, I don't know, food for thought maybe. I, I think you'd be the only person on there, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think. So you've got you got the place to yourself, do whatever you want. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's
1: just, the thing is, it's a notoriously hard venue and I'd like to get some fish. But I think what could do very well is, especially if you can get on a nice warm sunny day in the winter months where you've got like, those few hours of sort of super bright sunshine on the water, I think you could do well stalking there. I really do. And like you say, when they're off guard as well in the colder months, um, I think it could lead to some sort of pretty epic fishing, couldn't it? In the margins and watching everything. Uh, That's that's how I could foresee it happening uh, in the winter months anyway. I just don't think it's the kind of place to be tipping up for 12 hours at night. Um, I think it could be
0: tough. Yeah, I know what you're saying, mate. Do you know where you're going for winter yet?
1: Um,
0: not really, not really. No, I've not put a lot into it.
1: Um, my my buddy who I go fishing with down here. He um, he's quite keen to sort of fish uh, digger lakes up near Exeter. Um, like quite a few nights in the winter, and he's happy to drive up and do sort of like like a crazy twelve-hour overnighter. Um. With the additional travel time so i might do that a few times see how i get on but locally i'll just be fishing one of the club waters with a with a higher stock of fish mate i
0: think there's there's better quality fish near you than there is in digger no disrespect to digger. yeah I don't doubt that yeah yeah fair enough mate um we've gone off on a tangent what was the question Oh, yeah. was it Single flavors? hook baits. No, Single hook baits. So I tell you what, you you use singles a lot. I used to, uh, less so nowadays, but I used to use them a hell of a lot. What um, You're kind enough to tell people your old winter mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of podcast episodes ago, I think it was the podcast that was titled The Catch-Up. It might have been episode number 14. I might be wrong on that. Um, but you told us a to mix in there. What mix are you going to be using this uh, this winter? Are you going to use the same one, or are you got anything else that you you you're playing with?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to use. Uh, well, I I will use my old faithful pop ups, mate, because I've got super confidence in them. Um, but this winter, again, I think we discussed it on a previous pod, going over old ground. Apologies if we are. Um, I've got that old bottle of um, Richworth, esterberry. And I was planning on combining that with an essential oil and organic acid um, mm. and just see, see how it works. I don't know. I've not done it yet. I've not fished with it yet.
0: Uh, is that is that, I used to buy esterberry. Is that one of my old bottles? No,
1: no. I think you used to, I don't mm. remember using the Flavor Mate. I remember used to buy the ready-mades.
0: Um, I used to really rate the ready-made esterberry. Yeah. Uh, Winter Bay, that was, yeah.
1: It was actually brilliant. Like you had some great results, didn't you?
0: Oh, mate, I did. I really caught well on that estuary, mm-hmm. And obviously two E's as well, but it's nice to have an alternative, and Again, I like to be a bit different.
1: I remember you used to fish a <laughs> single like a single boilie on the hair and then you'd you'd crumb up one boilie in a pa- in a PVA bag. Can you remember that? and a bit of mesh. Just one boily yep. crumbed, which is just enough like
0: um. Mm-hmm. But do you know what I used to do? you may or may not have known this, I used to make up loads of PVA bags with one crumb boilie and one whole boilie in. And I used to pre-bait with those all over the Mm -hmm. lake in the winter. So that, the thought being, that looks exactly what my rig would look like, you know, with my hook bait and little bit. I used to pre-bait like that, go through fuckloads of (laughs) P-A-V-A. Little things like that. I used to be really, uh, (laughs) like, lots of, bit eccentric. Almost, wouldn't I? With lots of different things.
1: Yeah, it
0: worked. Yeah, mate, it worked mm. really well.
1: I used to use the old um, mainline proactive pineapple back in those days in the winter. That's a good flavour, man. Mm.
0: That is a good flavour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Right, last question was from Jungle Warfare. Right now, I'm gonna have to get the messages up because. It was quite a big question and there was a few points to it. So I asked him for a follow-up, got chatting with him. I won't bore you with that stuff. But basically, um, can you read out the original question, mate? And then I'll I'll read out RPMs. Yeah, no
1: worries. Um, so, bait quantity on low stock venues, please. Struggling at the minute as there is also bream.
0: Yeah, so... Bait quantity, how much to bait up with and how much to use. I mean, it's a big question. It depends on the water. So I asked him a few questions. Um, so his reply was, uh, he's on a water. It's about 15 acres. Um, depths range from six foot for, to 42 foot. There's 20 to 25 carpin. A lot have been uncaught. A lot are, un- sorry, 20 to 25 carp in. A lot of them are uncaught. Um he's seen them 30 pound plus. Um the six to fifteen foot of water is unfishable, basically. It's very rocky, and he sent me a picture and it is very rocky. Um there's loads of bream and they've been caught to sixteen pounds. Absolute monster <laughs> bream that is. That is savage. Um I feel your pain, mate. I really do. Um they're always on the feed on the gravel bank and it's sandy, blah blah blah. Um you can't really mark her areas because the bottom's so snaggy and rocky. Um uh, about twelve percent of the lake you can present rigs to. Um uh, yeah, that's basically it. So, so it's it's a it's 15 acres. It's not a big place, but it's up to 42 foot. A lot of it is really hard to present a bait on, um, and there's shitloads of bream, and there's about 20-25 carp in it. Um, how the how does he know how much to bait up, and what should he do, and yada yada yada. So, it sounds similar to a lake that I. Did a brief spell on. Do you remember, Pete? And Devon. I did a very brief spell. Um, uh-huh. But I got, I got very, very lucky. Um, and Pete's probably fished, well, it's probably a little bit like the water you're fishing at the minute, isn't it, Pete? But minus, I mean, you can present pretty much everywhere, can't you? Um, but we've, we've fished deep pits and stuff. I mean, look, here's the thing. In terms of the amount of bait, you've got a shed load of bream. So you have to understand that the bream are going to be munching through this. Now, from there, you have to work out, okay, well, if that's the case, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I would say it's a good thing. I think a shoal of bream, particularly big bream, I think them eating is is going to, you know, perhaps call the carp in um you know if you use nuts something like that the, the the sound does travel underwater i know some people say that's bullshit but it's not um well i think putting shells in your bait might be a bit optimistic but anyway um so yeah i think you should be baiting up i think you should be i really think you need to find out where those fish go and you need to get an area going you need to have those fish keep on visiting an area, and more importantly, feeding on that area. So I would say, pick a spot that you can present a bait to, that you can ideally tell if the bait is gone. Now, I asked this guy and he can't use boats there, which to be honest has just made everything 10 times harder than it could need to be. Um, But anyway, you need to get spots going um you need to use a decent amount of bait because there's a lot of bream in there and you need to make sure that you're feeding the bream as well as the carp um but you definitely need to make sure that 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 bait is getting eaten you know you, you don't want to be putting bait upon bait upon bait and it's just going rotten um that i trust me that's the last thing that you want um so it's a bit of a tough one it's going to be a case of trial and error um what I would say is I definitely would not rule out zigs. Now, I am by no means an accomplished zig angler, but with that kind of substrate, um, I think adjustable zigs could work well, particularly in winter. Um, so the reason why I've said adjustable is you let you cast it in, you let the line out, so then you can see the hook bait on the surface, and then you can pull it under, and. That way you know that the line is being released effectively because it's a really rocky bottom. If you didn't have an adjustable zig, you don't know if somehow the lead is ballsed up on the substrate and you got a bit of a nightmare there. So I think adjustable zigs on a patrol route. If you can get up high, figure out where they're patrolling, I think an adjustable zig could be a good shout. And then obviously that overcomes the fact that... So you see, maybe this guy is finding the carp. It's just like, well, the bottom is so rocky. He sent me a picture I wish all the listeners could see. It's very rocky. Yeah, maybe the carp are there, but you put a load of bait in. I mean, they will push stones around. You'd be really surprised. But it's not really the best place to put a bait. Sure, you could put a choddy on there and it'll be presented, but then it's quite a lot higher than the bait that's going to fall through the gaps of the rocks. It's just not the one. So maybe going for a little bit more finesse and putting a zig rig on their patrol route Maybe that might snag a bite or two. Um, I've got shitloads I could add to that, but I just don't really know where to go because there's so much more I'd need to know on it. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that, Pete? So far, so
1: I agree with you that the bream might not be a bad thing in that situation
0: because
1: um, it's like you were saying; it sounded like the bait's going to get eaten, which is definitely a good thing. Um, <clears throat> so that was my first point, and. All I can talk about here is sort of relaying to my own experiences because the venue I'm fishing is sort of quite similar with depths and a very, very low stock of fish. Not as big, but certainly got a very low stock. And um, with the depths and adjustable zigs is something that's been going through my head recently. Um, I regularly see the fish show sort of midwater um, and I'm fishing in the margins. I don't want to fish midwater because you're looking at depths of about 40 foot um so yeah adjustable zigs is something i've been considering but for me like you're saying i am not a uh an accomplished zig angler uh i think the only fish i have caught on zigs is roach whenever i've tried to fish zigs i've always managed to pick up roach which i think is a bit odd so i wouldn't know necessarily it would just be a bit of a i'd have to probably dedicate myself to it to fishing zigs on all rods at different depths and then you've got a problem that you're fishing a very low stock pit where the fish are hard to catch and you're fishing zigs a tactic you're not confident in. Um, But I certainly think it could do well. You just gotta find the depth. You know, even if you know where the fish are and you see them show, you've gotta get your depth right, which to me is just a bit of a minefield. Do
0: you you know something that I would, you're absolutely right, mate. Do you know something I would be looking at doing? Mm Um, I would be looking at getting a shitload of gravel and putting it on some areas, and then which is basically filling in the gaps of this these huge rocks. I mean, I say huge rocks; the rocks are like you know fist size and and a bit bigger, which is enough to give you issues of presentate pre- presenting baits and baits falling through the gaps, etc. But I'd be looking at getting a load of gravel and getting a little area. <laughs> Get filling in an area, literally, filling in the gaps so you can present a bait on. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's probably not a bad shout. Wow.
1: Yes, not a bad shout. And that sort of takes me back to, again, we're talking about the weedy water where we used to fish um, back in the day. I don't know if you remember with the big storms one winter, that one of the uh, the water level rose, and one of the swims had like a big bit of ply was sort of decked with this huge bit of ply. And that actually sort of um, came loose and drifted off. And it settled up in the shallows, right in amongst... So this lake was just filled to the brim of fringe lilies, wasn't it? Like, completely unfishable in a lot of places. And I don't know if you remember, it it blew right into, like, the little little bay, right in the back corner, and it sunk there. And it actually... um, Made just sort of like presentation perfect you had a big Mm -hmm. section where the pads can row through and i remember catching fish off of there um so it's a very sort of similar principle um yeah i think it's a good shout mate i really do it's out yeah it's um it's not normal is it it's it's out of the box
0: but he this guy is fishing an out of the box water um and I hope he doesn't mind us naming him, it's it is Jungle Warfare Clothing. Um, bit of a shout out to him. I've never used any of his clothes, so I couldn't comment on them. But I mean, it's a bit of that. <laughs> you got to apply that to this fishing situation. It's Jungle Warfare. You've got to go out there. you got to think outside the box and you've got to do what you got to do. And, and I think things like that, I know there'll be some people listening like, what the hell are these boys on about? Put a load of gravel in, what a load of shit. Like sometimes you have to do things like that um, and it works, you know, it really does. Um, well, I mean, look, that that's something I would look at. I'd definitely look at zigs like Pete was saying. Um, uh, you, the the bream. Yeah. At least they're going to be eating the bait, but there's no point just feeding the bream if you're not feeding the carp. So you really want to be figuring out where those carp mm-hmm. go. That's that. I would say that's, you know, if we for <laughs> foreign, Following on the uh, the jungle warfare theme, mission operative number one, figure out where the f- fuck those carp are going, right? Or at least where they're patrolling. Um, and then it's, you know, mission operative number two is to figure out, okay, well, with all that knowledge I've now got, where is the best place I can start baiting up and start getting a bait going and start getting those fish, frequenting, frequently going to, frequenting, whatever the fucking word is. I need a place where I can get those fish constantly going to, that I can keep bait going in and they're going to build up their confidence feeding there and get them feeding. You know, whether that's whether that's filling in an area with gravel or whether it's just finding an area that's, that's not as rocky, I don't know. But that's what you've got to do. Um, and by the way, if you chuck a load of gravel in somewhere, I mean, how you're going to do that's going to be hard work, but you know, you know, you you've got to work for the the finer things in life. When you chuck a load of that gravel in, I guarantee the carp will be investigating that. They're extremely curious creatures. For sure. Um, yeah. Mate. So it's going to. Ma- so so <clears throat> I'm kind of excited. I I almost want to be fishing this uh, this mm-hmm. place. Um, by the way, look, I've never put a load of gravel in a lake. I've I've used I've done the old uh, you know add a load of topsoil in that's an old match angling trick but I've never actually filled in an area to create a clean spot it's just something that came to me whilst we were chatting um but I, I like, like it
1: mate I really do yeah. I think um yeah. like you said the fish will investigate it for sure and you could go a step further and you could soak that gravel in some sort of liquid food I know it sounds ridiculous but it would be leeching off attraction for days
0: that would be awesome my only worry with that is that the carp would be rooting around in it and displacing it all and spreading it around so then you haven't got that nice pretty presentable area Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean yeah i know one
1: of the, the, the lakes that i've sort of been fishing there's um there's been a landslide and now all of a sudden so there's sort of like tree line margin which is unfishable you've now got a big gravel bed um and it has made it super, super presentable. Um, and people are catching fish like crazy from it.
0: Um, Where's this, mate? Just Where's on this? one of the
1: local, local waters, local club waters. <clears throat> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been a, a landslide, mate. And what was a sort of um really deep margins, overhanging trees, casting to it. You couldn't cast, present there. But now it's been this landslide. Yeah, it's just a big gravel bed. Uh, and people are casting to it and catching fish. Yeah.
0: Well the place i is this the place I put the pingers in the seal deterrent not sure oh, okay all right. fair enough um yeah it's interesting it it yeah carp especially they're so inquisitive, aren't they anything like that they're all i mean it's same as when lakes flood, yeah, you know those those fish they wanna explore like they wanna go mm-hmm. um they're just inquisitive animals. Really. I'm convinced
1: that um, the fish I caught sort of back in February, um, again, it's a really tough water back in winter. On the first night, I flew one out, and there was a big... Well, last, last winter, we had unprecedented amounts of rain, didn't we? And um, I was fishing an area where there was just water flooding into the lake and it smelt as sewage, mate. I pitched up and it was just running through my swim off the road and it stunk of sewage. And I'm convinced that's why I got a bite at the time because there was sewage going into the lake and the fish were just loving it, oh, loving yeah. it.
0: An, an inlet, like a powerful inlet into any lake. If there's ever been like an overspill or if if someone's pumping water in, for, that, like go there. Honestly, the carp will fucking be there. Mm. They really will. Um, and yeah, sewerage, even sewage, don't, Like sewerage if you think about what's going on there on, on you know <laughs> on a uh, chemoreception level, I mean that's very attractive For Sure. Um, but even even going back to, to, you know, grew up by the seaside, you did a lot of sea angling Pete, I know I'm, I'm more coarse, you're more sea back in the old days but like the mullet, like the, the sewerage outlets, that's where you get the mullet, right? Yeah, definitely,
1: definitely, they love it don't yeah. they? Um,
0: yeah.
1: And again it- Again, the lake you're talking about earlier, it had the big waterfall, didn't it? But that was predominantly sort of runoff off off the roads. And I always used to think, like, in the winter, when you've got all that rainfall and they're salting the roads and gritting the roads, you're just getting all of that salt content dumping straight into that quarry. Um, And again, it's got to be super sort of attractive to the carp. It's got to make them inquisitive and hang around that area. It's
0: not something we've spoken about yeah. a lot, is it? Salt and the and the podcast. No, it's it's not. No, it's not. Um might use a lot. <laughs> I'm change su- I changed subject real quick, but we'll come back onto that. Um I'm surprised you haven't gone back to that that uh, that place, mate. That quarry that we just spoke about with the waterfall deep. Yeah, one, it was
1: it was my plan for the year, mate. It was.
0: It yeah, was. I just,
1: yeah, what happened? Uh, just found, rejoined a local club and it sort of took my interest. Uh, yeah, I think I'd probably enjoy it, mate. The trouble is, it's like you say, it's just it's, I often moan in Cornwall because I've got a lot of options for, for big fish. Um, disagree and the grass is always greener. I have all these wonderful ideas, and then I'll start fishing somewhere and think, oh, I really could be fishing there, a lot like you at the moment, uh, and I can't settle
0: on a place. <clears throat> the thing is, that, that that deep quarry, I mean, those fish, I mean, they're a real prize, aren't they? But Yeah. But at the same time, you're fishing for a decent 40-pound common, which in Cornwall is uh is is quite a quite a prize isn't it so i understand why you're doing what Mm. you're doing um as I've, i've said to you ever since we started this podcast and before um i mean when we started this podcast was really when we started chatting again we kind of went our separate ways a bit didn't we but if i was in cornwall that is where i'd be fishing i'd be fishing where you're fishing right now um so i think you're doing the right thing
1: would you stick at it all winter long
0: Mate, I'd have caught them <laughs> then. So. Yeah.
1: I suppose you, you emptied the place last time you fished it.
0: <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't. No, I didn't empty the place. I did. I reckon I probably only did about 10 nights. Mm. Uh, and then I moved up here. Um, but I spent a lot of time there. I was there more often than not in the week. And uh, yeah, I really tuned. I loved that place, mate. Big Bit of a regret of mine, to be honest with you, but at the same time, you know, would I have rather stayed in Cornwall and, and seen that place through and caught them all, or caught, you know, caught what I wanted, or would I have rather move up here and sort of... Sort your life out. Sort my life <laughs> out, yeah, I I, I, I got to take sort my life out, mm. do you know what I mean? So I think I did the right thing. Do you think I did? Without a doubt, mate, to be honest, Yeah. Yeah yeah i mean the, the, like the viewers you, sorry the you,
1: listeners are like discovering a dark side of Sam <laughs> in this podcast
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh look i'm i'm open i'll I, you know i'd share anything mate I, i'm i'm an open book yeah no was a bit i mean yeah, i had some bad times and stuff um caught a lot of fish though mate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah see see now i like for the listeners I was just I was out of control just just this guy who was just just fishing a hell of a lot didn't really have any cares in the world I did but I you know I acted like I didn't and was just very reckless and uh, yeah Pete was the more sensible one the more grounded one you know a bit more career focused and now I wouldn't say we've switched roles but we have a little bit haven't we?
1: Yeah I don't know mate I would say this is Completely on a time. I mean, I've got a lot of responsibilities and shit going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got family, mortgage, do you know what I mean? Three kids. I'd...
0: Mate, I've got mortgage and kids as well, you know. True. Mm. I don't live with my kids, unfortunately. But um, i still got them. They're still knocking around. <laughs> No, i'm joking but yeah i mean it. it it's just, it's just get we just get old don't we we get responsibilities mm-hmm. um and that's life isn't it but uh yeah yeah no i'm glad I'm, I'm glad i moved and let's be honest there's some stunning carp up here in the cotswolds <laughs> there really is oh you gonna say women. <laughs> i mean it no wow yeah i've got one I've, i'm i'm uh i've got one um yes yeah there is and uh fishing up here is pretty good mate I just I need to find my stride with it and I need to get back into that space where I'm like dead set on a water when when I get locked onto a water I mean I'm I it like it takes up a lot of my thinking capacity Uh, maybe that's part of it mate maybe I'm maybe I don't want that because I know I have to balance out work and home life and shit and that like for me that's that's always been a bit of a mark of a successful angler because there's people like, yeah, Terry Hurt, no disrespect to him, of course, you know, huge respect for him. But he does a lot of angling, he catches a shitload, but he spends a lot of time there. Um, I mean, it's I, I caught way more fish when I was doing, you know, three, four nights a week than I do doing one night. Of course, does that mean I was a better angler back then? I probably was because I did it more often but it's it's the time thing, you know. It's how do you balance up your life, and fish on minimal time and still catch them all, and I haven't figured that out yet, and I can't do it, no. and uh, I think that's the that's the that's that's what I respect in someone.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you, and I think a lot of our listeners will sort of um be listening and sort of like understand it. It's just it's just what happens, isn't it? When you get older and you've got your your business and you have got your family and that balance is key mate and quite often the balance doesn't swing towards fishing does it you've got to you've got to sort everything out and then sort of fishing is your is your little release and your little downtime and it probably gets your attention for maybe sort of like five percent of your daily
0: thinking you know yeah 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 exactly How, how many i mean I always say this, we're not just angling when we're at the lake, are we? We're angling when we're thinking about it, when we're processing it, when we're planning our next steps. That's all angling. We don't have to be at the lake to do that. We can be doing our job and and doing that, depending on your job. How many hours a week would you say you spend angling, if that is what angling is, Pete? Mate,
1: good question. Um, For quite quite a few, do you know what, I go... Like with everyone, I go sort of fits and starts. And I would say all through like lockdown, it's all I could think about was fishing, 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 because I couldn't go. And then we could go back to fishing and I wasn't at work. I was on furlough and it was all I could think about and sort of like all my time was having to be at home with the children doing the homeschooling thing and like my wife was working a lot of the days and I was at home with the kids thinking about fishing and not being able to go um yeah I dedicate a lot of time to it but now it's a bit of a weird one sort of like my focus has gone away from fishing and gone sort of uh, uh, more into Sort of other interests recently, and I spend a lot less time thinking about fishing. But actually, when I'm on the bank, mate, and when I sort of get to go, I'm enjoying it a lot more. It's weird.
0: Sorry, yeah. So, what are your other hobbies that you got uh, into?
1: Like, I'm really into my. It's a bit, a bit sad, but I'm really into my cryptocurrency, and I've spent a lot of my time sort of doing a lot of researching and reading on different pro- um, different projects and things at the moment.
0: Um, Mm. see this is posh pete coming out you know the listeners you have to envisage what pete's doing now he's sitting back into his you know luxurious leather chair he's got his smoking jacket on he's puffing on his pipe um there's some you know old collectible books in the background and this is what he does he plots his next monetary move Mm -hmm. and he's going to make his millions
1: the sad truth of it it's is mate what well, you've seen because on the video i'm sat behind a cupboard in my kitchen which i started building at the start of lockdown and i've not finished <laughs> <And> my chair <laughs> keeps creaking because it's an old wooden chair and you keep moaning because you can hear it on the mic <laughs>
0: yeah well, well, well cryptocurrency though that's i mean that's a I wouldn't have a bloody clue about that stuff, mate. You, you, you get your teeth into things. Yeah. You You get, you get, you get rolling with them when you get into it. Same Mm -hmm. as me, but yeah, you've, 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 you've done all right, haven't you? Recently, I've lucked
1: out, mate. Um, if the, the truth be told in my time of investing, I got into cryptocurrency back in late 2017 when there was a huge boom, a bubble almost in the market, um, which went pop, and you sort of uh crypto runs in cycles, mate. Uh like sort of almost four yearly cycles if you look at it through history. And um we're just sort of entering, well, nearly four years since I invested. So I'm hoping for some growth in the sort of the market. And yeah, I uh I just enjoy it, mate. It's like the wild west of money. Um there's scams are central, there's pump and dump schemes. You can buy a token and you gotta sell it before it all goes to shit. Uh, Your money's not safe, you can get hacked and things, it's ridiculous really But I enjoy it and there's a few projects I'm heavily involved in One of them's a UK based project and I've been really quite involved in the community and stuff And I signed non-disclosure sort of agreements with the company at one point And I was helping with, um, I was basically just a shill mate on Twitter (laughs) Helping with stuff and promoting the company Yeah I just really enjoy it
0: I've, I've literally got no idea what you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> All these words uh, have just gone over my head.
1: But no, I did well recently. Yeah. I told you, but recently, I just, like, there's things in crypto. It's just, they're just basically people can generate money out of thin air. And when they do it, it's, it's dodgy, it's dangerous, it's a scam. Um, and recently, I told you about some tokens I managed to get, which is called like an airdrop in crypto terms. And I got them and I sold them there on the day for 1200 quid uh which is money in the bank and before you know it uh, the bubble's pops and a lot of investors and people have lost their money but if you're careful you can get something in for nothing um yeah it's a funny old space it's unregulated it's not safe but it's a gamble high risk high reward
0: do you know what it's uh yeah it's interesting i mean I, yeah it's very interesting yeah
1: i think very yeah, interesting. I'm going to bore the shit out of people now, but the the way no, the, way the world's going, it's uncertainty, mate. And the financial system as we know it, like the fiat system is unsustainable. Um, the banks are printing money like crazy. Debt is at an all-time high and only increasing. And if anybody wants to sort of like hedge their bets and put a bit of spare cash away, I don't think you can go wrong with looking at... A certain number of cryptocurrencies and that's that is the future of money. There is no there is no doubt in it.
0: Mm. Fair enough, mate. Mm. I don't want to comment. I don't I don't I, I don't know anything about it. Uh, anyway back to cart, mate. I think we've answered all the questions. Mm
1: hmm.
0: They're done. You said you had a question for me you wanted to ask me. Ooh, there was a
1: few of them I was going to talk to you about low stock pits and pace baits purely because it sort of went with the flow of one of the questions earlier
0: um, and, we spoke about pace baits mm-hmm. a little bit uh,
1: but one of the questions was they basically they asked about baiting this time of year and low stock pits and you spoke about pace baits and I was saying how would you approach like a low stock pit with a pace bait was going to be one of the things
0: um, I, do you know what I, I wouldn't like it, in, unless it well, on a low stock pit I mean I only by, by most people's standards I only fish low stock pits but like proper low low stock pit like, I would only bring out a pace bait if they're in front uh-huh. of me and, and that means making that pace bait for every trip because they don't keep you can freeze them but I mean I, I use some things that I wouldn't want frozen like uh milks I, I don't think do great frozen for example um so yeah if i if i was to, look paste baits I, I think they're wonderful if there's fish there you know i don't i, I wouldn't like use them on a low stock oh well, if if i was baiting an area and yeah maybe i would do but generally i would use paste baits for stalking um or just adding attraction to the swim but then again, I think you could probably do that in better, better ways. Ground bait is is great, and it's overlooked. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, I, I, if I found if I was on the fish, I, I mean, I, I'd I'd put a bit of paste in front of them, and it get it, you know, you can make it so soluble um, and very attractive to the carp. Um, you have to make sure that it's palatable as well. Um, you can make things very soluble but not very palatable um, and they might be attractive to carp through uh, the uh, olfaction senses but but not so much through the taste the gustatory sense so you've got to be careful of that um, when it comes to the, the solubility but yeah I mean if you can get in front of carp and use in paste it goes well um, first place I really saw that was on the syndicate that we we're in, the Cornish syndicate, Pete, mm-hmm. that small little syndicate. It was quite, a cl- well, it was a very clear lake and it was shallow, wasn't it? Um, so we could see fish feeding and I, I, I fed them some paste baits and that's what sparked it, I think, from from my warped memory, <laughs> just delving back years. But yeah, I mean, yeah, low stock, low stock, big pit lake, yeah, great, use paste baits just understand you knock them up you, you, a lot of them you're just going to be chucking in the edge because you haven't used them because you haven't found the fish uh you could put them out in the swim for extra attraction yeah but there's probably better ways of doing that um does that answer the question yeah i right?
1: think so it's kind of like my, my my thoughts on it as well
0: um yeah you don't you are i mean you you're pretty knowledgeable on bait mate you're a bit of a dark horse you don't let on that you know much but you actually mm-hmm. do you um, you gotta watch Pete. Um you've not ventured down the route of pace baits. That's really surprises me. Very
1: yeah, rarely. I tell you what, dude, just Could... hold it there. I'm desperate and then gonna run to the toilet and then we'll continue from that moment.
0: Alright mate, that's fine.
1: No, up, mate, does that like, I think we get like a fox or something in the garden
0: at night? He starts going berserker. What's that? Vanessa Sleepwalking. What a fox.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. Pace baits, mate.
0: Yeah, anyway. Pace baits. Yeah, I, I mean, you know a hell of a lot about um, bait. I'm surprised you've never gone down the pace bait route.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, do you know what? I've... If. I say, for example, I'm fishing with Boily, and I'm stalking, and the fish are in front of me. I know that I can crumb up some baits. I can add some liquid attractor. I can make a little parcel that's super attractive. Um, yeah, I just think it kind of serves a similar similar purpose as a paste bait, I guess. Um, it's never never something I've gone massively down. Do you sort of like wrap a bait in paste, or are you using like a little cage or something? On the hair,
0: I, I like the yeah. I like these little spirals, these little wire spirals mm-hmm. on the hair. So you basically you you would tie your hair to this little spiral. It's not a cage. It's it's a spiral.
1: Yeah, I don't know what they're called. To, I have no idea. I
0: I don't know what they're called. I have got shit loads of them. I've had for you. They're spirals. Um, if you th- for the for those for the for the lads that have <laughs> bought protein powders and shakers they don't do them these days but probably five odd years ago used to buy a blender bottle for your protein and it came with that squishy metal metal ball thing it's like like a cage isn't it it's not a cage it's like a squishy ball like a spring ball type thing made of wire they're like that basically you just tie your hair onto that mold that around um, but you, you can mold it around anything. You could mold it around uh, a boilie. You could roll, mold it around a Brazil nut, um, whatever. Some people mold it around their lead. I don't like that because I think you could get carp picking up your lead and you think you've got to run, but you're not. It's just the carp's picked up your lead. Um, if you're using very heavy lead, obviously you can overcome that, but I just don't like wrapping paste in leads. I know it used to be popular back in the day, um. It's not something I like doing, but yeah, I, I like wrapping it around the hook bait. If it you you can, mate, you can make very soluble pastes, and you can engulf the whole hook, confident in the fact that after ten minutes, that's all just, you know, a matter of dust and powder around your hook bait, which is very attractive. Um, so yeah, it depends on your pet. Pa- there, there, there's so many possibilities with pastes. I mean, we try and make the boilie the best possible but we're always fighting against and always having to deal with the fact that it has to roll and it has to bind up together and it has to boil. None of that shit matters when you're making paste. You know, you can make it really sticky. You can make it really soluble. Um, you can just do so much more. It's it's like, it's like having that freedom <laughs> in a way, you know, you know, you've made loads of boiling mixes, Pete. Mm-hmm. It has to, it has to behave a certain yeah. way. You, you sort of know, you unleash have to, the you shackles have to add exactly that beautiful way to put it you unleash the shackles because you don't have to bother with all that it's the same as using enzymes it always comes down to two points either like oh I could just use that thing in the finished product you know I don't need to split it down I could buy it split down well okay I've spoken about why that might not be the best thing before I know some people would disagree with that um, and you don't need to boil you do not need to boil it if you're using paste. You do not need to boil it if you're just adding it to particle. Uh, I know I was, we were talking to Dean, and I was saying about well, actually enzymes. Maybe there's some chemical reaction going on there, that w- which releases things, um, which might not know about. Dean didn't agree, but I mean, I think going back to that conversation, there's a bit of grey area because, and I'm not. I, I mean. I'm not meaning to, um, i got a massive respect for what Dean knows. Uh, I I mean, uh, he knows more about bait in many areas than I do. I'm sure he does. Um, But I think what I was trying to say was a bit missed. Earlier on in the podcast, he said that there's things that are maybe attractive to carp that we don't know Mm. about. And then when I said maybe the process of that splitting down, maybe there's something going on that we don't know about. He kind of dismissed that. We can bring it up again, and I, I wouldn't say anything now that I wouldn't say straight to him. Um, I think someone was a bit lost there. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, it's the same thing, you know. You, you're using pace. You don't have the problem of heating. You don't have the problem of having it to gel together and roll. Yeah, it's just very versatile. I'm getting a, on a bit of a passionate rant about my pace now. <laughs> but uh, I've, I I rate it. Um I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, mate. I bet not many people, if any, actually take the advice and start making paste and going into paste. Uh, but they're missing a trick, I'll tell you that much. They're, they're definitely missing a trick, mate.
1: And presumably, for the guys listening, using like a liquid food with your paste, mate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you could just use water. if you If you want a quicker breakdown, generally you'd use water. Um, I would favour using spring water or or lake water I've got a little stream back of me I use that water Um, you could use water yeah of course you could use a liquid food Um, I've spoken about salmigo, I've spoken about mixing that with uh, squid brown fish sauce I think we've spoken about liquids quite a lot haven't we Um, so yeah there's a lot of possibilities but I mean I haven't gone math I have actually but I haven't settled upon mad complex mixes for my pastes they tend to be a bit more basic to be honest with you um, I'd go a bit more in- depth with the attract profile of, of when I was making a boilie purely because that boilie is has or you're relying upon it to release food signals over a longer period of time whereas with a paste bait you know, it's it's not releasing food signals over that longer amount of time. Um, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I get it. I get it. Mm. So what have we got in the pipeline,
0: Sam? In the pipeline, we have got um, Joss Faulkner coming up. I believe he'll be the next episode that we release, all being well. Um, and that is going to be regarding all things otters, otter predation, what we can do about it. Um, Joss is someone that, that I've you know I came across years ago. Um, he now does stuff for the Otter Trust in the form of uh, he's a fishery advisor. so obviously he's working in our corner um, to make sure that, that uh, you know things are done correctly. So Joss is a great guy. Um, he's a wealth of information we'll be talking to him about otters and otter predation and probably some carpy stuff and fishing as well that episode is one not to be missed because otter predation is something that affects all of us and if it hasn't already it most likely will do at some point you know if you've got a fence fair enough but the thing is this is our this is our sport this is our hobby this is our you know this is our thing, and, and otters are a very real threat to that. That's not to say blame the otter. Um, it just is what it is. So, yeah, that's that's the next upcoming podcast, Pete. Um, aside from that, I don't know, mate. Uh, there's a few other people that have said they're going to appear, a few few names. Um, some people are a bit... A lot of people are kind of unreliable, aren't they, with this kind of thing? Um... I'd like to do a podcast, just me and you, just chatting, chatting cart, Pete. I know we've done all questions on this one, so it's a bit different, but it'd be good just for us to shoot Mm -hmm. shit. Maybe we, maybe we could do an episode where we talk about old stories. Yes. We've had a few
1: requests, haven't we?
0: Damn it. I need to do my ghost story. Well, dude, it
1: is October 31st is Halloween. We'll do a ghost episode special.
0: Which oh, we, now we, we'll we pick picked this up. We can't do an episode. <laughs> mate, we haven't got, we can't do a whole show on ghosts.
1: I don't know. My ghost experiences are pretty limited.
0: <laughs> Yo, mine too, except for this fucking thing. I mean, look, this, honestly, mate, I, you know me. Every word of that mm-hmm. is true. Like, that, that that, was a fucking horrendous yeah. experience. well, I mean,
1: really? I had missed calls at 3am. Yeah. Thankfully, my phone was on silent. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah. I'll t- I'll, okay. I'll uh we'll, we'll do a little Halloween special. That's the problem. Man. we can't do a whole story, a whole episode on because no. we've only, we've only got like one story.
1: Mm. But
0: yeah, we'll
1: we'll go with that. But yeah, cool. Right. right let's wrap it up.
0: Yeah, I've just realised I've had the mic away from my face for ages because I'm a few. Busy. Normally, you forget to plug it in, up. so <laughs> we're all good. Well. Happened once with fennel. Yeah. All right. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, yeah. Catch you soon. Peace out.
1: Cheers, guys.